indescribable podcast. They'll recap CXG on one indescribable podcast. They'll share their points of view. And in this one, we meet Dr. Shinra Becca's new Doctor Who diagnoses her as having BPD and at the very end she finally figures out Josh is irrelevant now on to your favorite podcast where we bring all of our heartaches Yes, that's right. We're here. We're back here at One Indescribable Podcast for season three, episode six of the hit CW show Crazy Ex Girlfriend. We are going through this show week by week by week by week, and we are almost at the halfway point of season three. Uh, which is incredible here. We have had an amazing string of episodes here in season three, and I'm hoping that that will continue today. I am, of course, Adam H., uh, trying to uh, guide us through here as best I can, but thank goodness I have some of my very good friends here with me. Um, Of course, we have uh, the person who... uh, Well, I was wondering, Todd, do you need me to uh, wipe anything? I know it was a little weird when I, like, looked directly in your eyes, but, uh, you know, I'm just wanting to... Welcome to the podcast, Todd. You know, Adam, you're getting peppery, and I don't use that word lightly. Damn it. That was what I was, was going to introduce. No! no! <laughs> uh, oh, no. Okay, well, now I'm going to have to really actually come up with these on the fly. Um, gosh, dang it, Todd. I almost opened with that, too. That is devastating. It's you fine. Because then I would have been scrambling then. So. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Luckily, uh, we have our third co-host with us, someone who does indeed exhibit all nine behaviors of a very good and loyal friend. It is Lindy, TV Lindy. Hi, I'm Adam. You're actually like in in the my podcast. You're kind of ruining the shot. Do you think you could like crawl on the floor and just let me let me have this? Yeah, I got it here. Let me just get on the floor here. Thank you. That's that's better. Yeah. <laughs> Adam has left the camera. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now that I am actually on the floor, this oh is nothing. God. This is an audio podcast, but whatever. I am actually on the floor here, and I'm just really desperately trying to figure out how to introduce. Does it help if I go a little bit this way so you guys can actually see me? Um, I'm t- uh, trying to find a way to introduce our guest here because we did preface this on the last podcast. We have a very special guest this episode. Uh, someone who is, uh, you know, here starting her movement. It's such an amazing movement. It is Melissa Woodward. Hey, uh, I've got my axe at the ready because I figure, you know, you can never be too prepared when you're talking about a show that takes place in a famous murder house. Did I do it? Uh, that was yeah. also the expressions on Lindy's and my faces that whole time were like perfectly mirroring <laughs> each other as we were going through. And like Adam starts with the nine things and we're like, where is he going with this? And then yeah. Adam's on the floor and it was just like. I was like nine tendencies of what now? Oh, why are we, <laughs> we brought it. We, I mean, it, it was ultimately nice, right? I mean, we, we got there. Yeah. Ultimately, yes. I, you know what, Lydia? I like to think of that as a really good encapsulation of our friendship, you know? Like, there's sort of that rough, like, at first glance, you're like, uh, 
But then, you know, once you like get once you get past that initial reaction that both you and Melissa had the faces of instantaneously, it's like, oh, there's there's there, you know, Lindy's a good friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's not where I thought that was ending either. Wow. Wow, that's not your first impression of me. Interesting. Nope, I wasn't. I said our <laughs> our our collective friendship. Yeah, you but said it's like, that. Oh, here's the surprise at the end. Lindy's actually a good friend. Yeah, that's exact. That's how you put it. You put it on yeah. me at the end there. We we. Okay, I have no idea how I'm supposed to salvage this. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm still sort of a little bamboozled after <laughs> actually getting on the floor. Um, <laughs> it's it's fine. Uh, I, I was just trying to do what you said, Lindy. I, you know, you told me to get on the floor. Uh, I, I Hopefully I got out of your shot. You yeah. did. I appreciate it. Okay. Um. <laughs> Physical comedy is really like the pinnacle of podcasting. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm, I am a hundred. I think Todd took a picture yeah. of it. And so maybe we'll post that when we. Oh, no. <laughs> I was not prepared for a photo. I probably look terrible. Me neither, Lindy. At least you weren't on the floor. So. <laughs> You're not in the photo. That's the whole point. Oh, I think my, yeah, my head's peeking through there a little bit. Um, Musa, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, I'm here. Uh, uh, did, did you bring your alligator uh, stuffed animal with you? Your full body alligator? Yeah, Ruth Bader. Ruth, Ruth Bader. Bader. Uh-huh. Uh, no, no, I did not. Um, but, you know, I'm here and I am excited. Uh, we're incredibly excited to have you. This is your third time on the podcast here in season three. Um, you know, uh, uh, very fitting. You, I, I believe you had almost a full pick of the letter here in terms of episodes that you wanted to talk about. You were very insistent pretty early on that it was this episode right here, this episode that you wanted to be on. You want to tell us why? Yeah, it's true. Todd messaged me about season two and I was like, by the way, can I now dibs season three, episode six? Um, because this is the diagnosis episode. This is like when I'm thinking of all of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, this is the episode that stands out most for me because this was the moment in the show that I went from this being a show that I really enjoyed to a show that I felt very like personally connected to that I was like, oh, I really support what this show is trying to do. Um, and like... I love talking about mental health. This is like what I do for a living. And I just really wanted to come on and talk about how great this episode is. I think it's so well done. And uh, I just like really love Rachel Bloom for like making this an episode of television that exists. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I love it. We've, we've talked the last couple episodes about kind of how the show has been building to this point and how, um, various things have been seated in how they've handled some of those discussions around mental health um, and, and mental illness as well. And so we certainly see a lot of that come to a head, at least in terms of the, the, um, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the back end of it, right? We sort of see the actual diagnosis. We see the hospital, we see the doctors, we see Rebecca's reaction as opposed to uh, some of the, the symptoms and actions that we've seen Rebecca take previously. But we are coming off of, a pretty heavy episode last episode. We ended last episode on the plane with her taking the pills, uh, you know, pushing the button, asking for help uh, slash hope. Um, and here we are into this episode. 
big jump, I think. Obviously, you know, we talked about this before, but like big jump in the series. And um, I like this episode. I think they do it well. And I'm excited to kind of get into it. And I think uh, I think with that, everyone's just sort of staring at me. Lindy's ready to get moving here. Let's get on. Season three, episode six of Crazy Ace Girlfriend. Lindy, take it away. All right. This one is called Josh is Irrelevant. And this does start off with the theme song. And since we have a guest here who um, hasn't talked about this one yet, Melissa, what are your takes on the season three theme song? I really like it. I like the like different um, kind of references to the different types of music. We've got, you know, this like very Kelly Clarkson-esque uh thing we've got uh the kind of like rap. i don't know i think it's fun i certainly like it better than the second one um it's probably still not quite up there with the first one but to me this is probably the one that i think of first when i think of crazy ex-girlfriend theme songs too because it just feels like it kind of encapsulates what the show is which is fun and the line um to clarify yes no on the crazy is just very funny to me that's an interesting perspective because I feel like everyone else we've talked to, it's kind of like the third one is third out of the out of oh, the wow. three we've seen so far. Um, so that's great that you like it a lot. Yeah. Um, okay. So the episode starts um, at the hospital. Paula, Valencia, and Heather are there. Um, Paula walks out and tells them that Rebecca is okay and they're all just really relieved. Um Paul is saying how someone has to be in the room with her at all times. It was going to be this nurse, but no, Paul is going to Paul is going to be the one to do it, of course. And <laughs> uh, it's kind of a running joke in this episode. <laughs> um, Valencia offers that they can take turns, but Paul is like, no, but there is something you can do. You can let everyone know that Rebecca's OK. Um. That's when Josh walks in and asks if Rebecca's okay. Um, and Paula is like, you need to leave. Uh, I don't want Rebecca to be upset. And I'm worried that your body spray is going to waft into her room. So just leave without wafting. It's very likely to me that Josh is like a big axe body spray kind I was going to say, yeah, you instantly can, can imagine what Josh smells like in this moment. Yeah, a thousand percent. And Heather tells him, you should go, like, really seriously. And Josh is saying, like, I want to talk to Rebecca because we had this really big fight. And I said I wanted her to go away, but not in a permanent way. And they won't let him go see her. So he's like, can you tell her I was here? And Valencia and Heather are both like, no. I... This is certainly not me defending Josh, just to be very clear on, on what is about to happen. It's not me defending Josh. I do think they were a little, little harsh in, in how they were treating him, not necessarily in their actions. It would obviously have been very unhealthy for Josh to actually see Rebecca. That would have been a, a terrible decision for anyone involved to make, but they were, I mean, they were pretty, pretty relentless uh, in their, like, you need to just leave Josh. Like, there wasn't, like, this is for Rebecca's good. Like, she's not an emotional place to see you. Like, you wouldn't add anything to the situation. They were just like, get your stank out of here. I think it's well, totally justified. I think they were firm. And they were like, why are you here? Like, you don't, don't, don't want her in your life. You said that. You were really clear. And, like, obviously she doesn't need this. And you need to leave. So, I think they handled it fine. And also, I think... 
like Heather and Valencia, this is like the first time we've seen them interact with Josh at all since he ran away from the wedding. Like Paula had the brief interaction with him whenever she got the documents. But even then, she wasn't exactly happy to see him. So I think there is a lot of underlying animosity from them towards Josh uh, over the whole wedding thing. And in their minds, like Rebecca's suicide attempt is still linked to that. I mean, by the end of the episode, it's like, you know, Rebecca will clearly state, no, it's that's not what did it. But at this point, for most people, they're thinking this is all wrapped up in Josh. So, yeah, I, uh, yeah, they're pretty harsh, but I, it's understandable to me because it's all linked together in their heads that a uh, Rebecca's spiral started whenever Josh just left her at the altar. Yeah, I think they're all kind of in crisis mode, right? And And so, like, on the list of priorities that they're dealing with, like being nice to Josh is just pretty low on that list. So I, you know, sure. Yeah. Could they have been nicer to him? Absolutely. Is it, you know, necessary that they do that right now when Josh is showing up basically to make himself feel better? I don't know. I fully understand that being nice to Josh has been low on my list since <laughs> season one, episode one. So I get it. <laughs> Then we see Rebecca in her hospital room. Uh, Dr. Copian is there. So is Paula. Rebecca is apologizing to Dr. Copian. She's like, I failed you. And Dr. Copian saying, no, like you were brave. You asked for help. And Paula is standing right behind her, just repeating what she says. Brave. Asked for help. <laughs> and Dr. Copian's like, we're going to work together like with the hospital staff and everyone here to get you the right help. Um, I just thought it was so funny that Paula was just like echoing her. It's so unhealthy. There's so many things that Paula does in this episode that I hate so much. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. There's some, some of it's funny, but some of it's like, eh, it's too much. But Rebecca asked Paula, like, are the girls still here? And Paula says, yes, you know, girl group forever. Um, Melissa, you were here for that episode, right? Yeah, that first I one. was. <laughs> awesome little continuity there. Um, and Rebecca asks, like, are they mad at me? And Paula says, no, no one is mad at you. Um, that's when the door opens and Paula's like, not now, Denise. Um, I think Denise is the nurse, if I'm understanding no, she, that. <laughs> no, I think she's the ho the housekeeper. Oh, the really? I think so yeah. too, yeah. I just, I just assumed she was she just like learn. throws towels in later. Yeah. No, because Paula, yeah, because Paula mentions that she drove away the the nurse and the doctors, and now she just has this housekeeper who won't take the hint. And yeah, so it's the person trying to just do their job. Yeah, if this were real life and Paula was yelling at this poor person just doing their job, I would be well. I'm still upset with Paula for doing that, but if it was real life, I'd be like, "What are you doing?" And also, like, I've driven away the nurse. Like, that is a medical professional who knows what Rebecca needs in this moment. And you are a codependent friend who derives your own self-worth from helping others. Uh, it's a bit of a pot calling a kettle black here, Adam. You don't need to make that face at me. I'm well aware. <laughs> I was just saying, DM, you're roasting Paula. Like, it's nothing here. There's no <laughs> indication back on you. <laughs> No, I'm calling myself out because I can see myself in Paula, but like <laughs> accepting help from other people, like not carrying, not putting all of this, like I am the only one that can help Rebecca in this moment. I need to do all of it. Like none of that is healthy. The like the nurse, you know, what does this nurse know about what you need right now? Like I am the only one that can 
be there for you. It's just, it's all, it feels toxic. And when later when Dr. Okopian's like, that's another thing we need to talk about. I was like, yes, it is. Yes, you do. <laughs> Please do something about this. And Rebecca's saying she's so embarrassed. Like she caused a scene. Um, she's talking about what happened. She says, I didn't want to die. I just wanted the pain to stop. And she says, I was out of stories to tell myself that things would be okay. Yeah, that that line really gets me. This whole scene really got me on this watch. You know, I don't remember the scene making me emotional. The other times I watched it, for some reason, this time watching it, it really, really got to me. Is Rebecca just like wanting the pain to end? And then that, like, because we've seen like Rebecca like goes into her mind and she spins all these like musical things and these stories to kind of like help her deal with things and cope with things. But she reached a point where that wasn't enough and she could not construct any sort of song or any sort of story that was able to get her to to hold on to hope at that moment. And it's like a really, really powerful uh, thing for me. This, this scene really gets me. Yeah, this scene made me emotional for sure. And um, yeah, I, I used to work on a on a crisis line and um, this, this line of like, I, you know, I didn't want to die. I just wanted the pain to stop. Like is very real for a lot of people. Um, and I, yeah, I, I really love that kind of personal beat for Rebecca about these stories that like, that she, these narratives that she crafts for herself that aren't real and that so often fall apart for her, uh, and her like concern about the impact that she's had on her friends and, you know, kind of the pain that she's caused them and her kind of frequently apologizing to other people throughout this episode. Like it just all felt so real and so well done and um so genuine and like done from a place of understanding that I just th there's like a level of care to which this is being handled in this episode that I really appreciate that feels very earned uh on the part of the writers and I and I think it is like I think a lot of this is is very well earned on their part yeah and from there we go to the office where Nathaniel he's looking at this flower bouquet online um, and he's trying to write a note to go along with it for Rebecca, but he's kind of struggling. He's like, dear Rebecca, I'm so sorry to hear about your sad, tragic, terrible, like he can't find a way to write this sentence. Um, and George walks in talking about how they're going to get a cupcake basket for Rebecca and he needs eight more bucks, but he can't find Daryl. <laughs> Okay, just to stop on this for a moment. First of all, a cupcake basket sounds incredible. What a great gift. <laughs> also, if you only need eight more dollars, can't you just do that yourself? <laughs> you got to get everyone in the office to contribute, Lindy, you know? Like, because George has definitely already put in, like, a couple people's share here, like, for sure. And so now here he is, like, big boss Nathaniel... Couldn't even get eight bucks. He's doing his own thing, man. Right. He said, like, I bet you're doing your own things. But again, he could have contributed to this too, but whatever. And I do want to point out that Ruth Gator Ginsburg is sitting on the couch mm -hmm. in Nathaniel's office. Like, I very, very clearly noticed that on this watch, that the Gator's just sitting there in the office. Unremarkable by anybody. 
I did like, again, I'm going to try not to be such a broken record through all this, but I just, I really love how this was handled because like people don't know what to say, right? Like it's a, it's a really hard thing to know what the right thing is to say to someone when they're, you know, when they have attempted suicide and, and, uh, or are dealing with kind of mental health issues at all. People don't know what to say. It's really hard to be like, sorry, you're sad. Um, and so I, I just thought that this was again, like just very real. And then the more that we find out about Nathaniel's situation as we go, um, yeah, I just, I, I really love seeing, it's going to be a bit of a theme, but just seeing how each person handles it differently and like all the different like not great ways that people deal with this because we don't know what to do we don't talk about it enough we don't it's the stakes feel really high and so it's really people are really afraid of saying the wrong thing and uh and so people often don't which is also the wrong thing to do so it's it's really hard i believe that we are coming close to the to the beginning of the nathaniel redemption arc here uh, where people start to potentially enjoy him more as a character. And the one thing I will say right up front here as he was writing this, uh, you're, you're totally right, Melissa. No one has any idea what to say. I liked seeing him like go through that process, though, because it was clear that he wanted to try and find the words to say, as opposed to what I think we would have seen out of Nathaniel a season ago would have just been sorry about your feelings and then just like sent it like i i very do definitively think that this is a different look from nathaniel that we have seen previously and i i will commend that in this one brief instance right now i'm just wondering why you say this is we're almost at the part where people start to like nathaniel but like what about this episode makes you think we're not there yet yeah, how is this not it? Because we're like four minutes into the episode. What do you? I mean, because we've we're we've just started. It's a process, <laughs> Lindy. He tried to kill someone a couple episodes ago. I still have to get over that. <laughs> okay, but I meant as a whole this episode. Lindy, I thought I was being very generous to Nathaniel there. All things considered. <laughs> All right. Well. Um. <laughs> Uh, Nathaniel, in response to the thing about Daryl, Nathaniel says, oh, he's at a yurt with his boyfriend. So that kind of explains why he's not around right now. Um, and George asks if Nathaniel is okay. And Nathaniel really brushes that off and is like, we're done here. Um, so he's obviously not going to open up about how he is feeling. Yeah. Adam, can I ask, are yurts an appropriate form of camping? No. I mean... Wait, what? It's indoors. How is it... <laughs> It's I'm like not, barely camping. Was I thought a, I was being generous by calling I, it camping. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know what a year it is. But you said is blank an appropriate form of camping? And my general answer is just going to be no. It's like an indoor structure. Help me out here. <laughs> Todd's just laughing. It's just cackling <laughs> on mute. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I, I have nothing to add. It's just... I didn't even bother looking this up to be honest. <laughs> they're like they're like huts. Like there's there's a roof yeah. and walls and and then like cots or something inside this usually. It's tiny though. Well, there's like various types of yurts. This is so like glamping, like stereotypical glamping happens in a yurt. Okay. I mean, I'd rather just be like in a in a in a building. <laughs> oh my gosh. Adam. Is there indoor plumbing? If not, Adam's. Yeah, that's actually an amazing question, Todd. Is it running water? 
I mean, like so many campgrounds have bathrooms. No, 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 no. And I'm it, not talking outhouses. I'm talking like a a building that you go into with the toilet that you flush, and yeah, then like running like, water for your hands. I would like that toilet building to be connected to the same building. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to go outside to get to the to, to poop. <laughs> I don't want to have to go from inside to outside, back to inside. Again. Well, it's it's not that you're going from inside to outside; it's that you're staying outside. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I think we found the crucial mistake right there. Oh my gosh, I can't. I don't get it. <laughs> it's so pretty. The outside is pretty. Inside sucks. The outside is trying to kill me. My allergies have been destroying me recently. Amen, man. Everything <laughs> outside was like, Adam, you're going to have a bad time when you go out there. Oh, man. Okay. Anyway, I, I, I heard yurts and I was like, oh, perfect. Like, this is the type of camping Adam and I can agree on. No. <laughs> Mm, is that your preferred style of camping? No, not at all. I would rather oh. like sleep outside. Okay. Oh. But I'm trying to like meet you part way here. Uh-huh. I, I would rather pack everything up that I need, stick yes. it in a backpack, hike for eight hours, and nope. then camp on the side of a mountain. Boy, oh I'm... my gosh, eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lindy. Um Unfortunately, I I hate to say it, but I agree with Adam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This is a very indoor kids uh, podcast, I feel like. <laughs> the fact that this is a podcast is like enough. <laughs> I feel like I need to clarify that I live in the most beautiful place in the world. And so maybe if you were hiking places that I get to, you might feel different. Why are you trying to go eight hours away from the most beautiful place? No, you're in going the world? into it. You're going like away from the city into the most beautiful part in the world. What's the most beautiful place in the world exactly? British Columbia. Okay. Well, maybe Northwest, I should go there. Kind of yeah, you I, should. I, I'm like, I, I'll vouch. It's it's very beautiful up there from what I saw. <laughs> I, I, from the, from Adam the came easily, and it rained the entire time. It did but... rain most of the time. But we, you know, like the ferry was great. The modes of transportation that were not me walking eight hours, spectacular. We'll <laughs> highly recommend. Yeah. If you ever watch Twilight and you're like, that's pretty, come hang out. It's or like yeah. most movies, because a lot of movies are filmed in Vancouver, but. Awesome. We I'm will all keep that also in mind. Where I'm like actually out on your plan. Because honestly, it might be the packing everything in a backpack part before we even leave the house. <laughs> like but, at what point do I lose you? Yeah, exactly? you might have <laughs> lost me on the packing, let alone the, the eight hour hike. You're like literally about to go on vacation. and I know, and I'm dreading the packing part. <laughs> I'm like actively trying to put that off for as long as possible. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of packing, um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you don't have an appropriate segue back to this like fairly serious episode from our camping diatribe. I don't. Um, okay. I mean, I don't. I'll just move on. So Valencia <laughs> is in the waiting room. Uh, she's recording a video at the hospital to post a quick update on Rebecca. She's like, she went through a tough time, but she's stable now. If you want to connect with her, just post a link in the comments below. I'll make sure she sees it. Um, and that's when Heather walks in. She thought this would be an email, but Valencia thought that would be too impersonal. So she's doing, you know, a Facebook video. 
She says, Rebecca thought it was a good idea. So that's good that she got input from Rebecca herself about this. Um, and so Heather's like, okay. And that's when Hector walks in. And he's got, like, a bag with snacks, like, chips. And Valencia's like, why is he here? <laughs> and Heather explains, well, we were going to go on our third date and I was going to cancel, but he didn't want me to be alone. That's sweet, right? And she and Hector are, like, smiling at each other in this super sweet, but, like, you know, overly sweet way. It's like, if you're not in it, it's not as, like, sweet to you. I don't... Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's the kind of sweet that's like worse than some forms of PDA, in my opinion. Like there, there's a level of like non-physical touch that's like worse than some levels of physical touch. If it's like too, eh, you know, if people are like too into each other, yeah, like too lovey or how whatever. dare they be happy? Yeah, yeah. I guess I don't want to say they're too lovey. That's not really what I meant. I'm struggling to talk today. I don't know what it is, but. They're just, they've just clearly got like their own connection here and Valencia is not a part of this. She is not feeling it the same way they are. She's like, yeah, sure. Didn't know a friend's suicide attempt was a plus one event, but cool. Like she is not on board with this. And Hector anticipated this. He says, I told you she might be mad. She gets like this. And Heather's like, well, there aren't rules for this situation. And Valencia's like, okay, you're right. We should be gentle with each other. And she stands up, walks over to Hector, and says, bitch, don't get in my way, bitch. <laughs> and Hector, like, yelps. <laughs> so scared of her. This, this is going to be a running thing for the rest of the series, that Hector gets scared of Valencia, and it makes me laugh every single time. Like, he is terrified of her. Ever since, like, he tells the story here that, you know, Ever since, like, they're in grade school or junior high, and she cut off his rat tail after he <laughs> touched her desk. I'm like, yeah, that, that was a good thing, though. Like, let her cut off your rat tail. You, you don't need a rat tail. Thank you. Yeah, that made me like Valencia more than anything else in this episode. The fact that she's cutting off rat tails as Hector's leaving it on her desk, like... Uh, no, I think what she said was that he just sat at her desk. Like, sat in her chair or something. Yeah, what do you mean hmm. leaving it on her desk if it was still attached? Well, I'm assuming it's one of those situations where Hector was in the seat in front of her and mm. the rat tail found its way onto the desk. Found its way. <laughs> that's <laughs> like a, that's a long ass rat tail, though. I mean, if it, if you're going to call it a rat tail, you better commit to it, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This was an interesting scene. Uh, we had seen Hector and Valencia certainly butt heads before, though rather indirectly. Um, uh, recalling the table episode here, of course. Uh, yes. <laughs> Lindy's favorite episode. <laughs> um, you know, uh, they've certainly butt heads before. I didn't love uh, when Hector was like, Oh, she's like that sometimes. That was annoying of him to say, but then also, like, I also I thought it was kind of weird for Heather to say, Well, there's not like it rules to this before she like proceeds to go on a nearly episode long thing about how Valencia isn't being appropriate for the reaction to this. Like there are some rules in social etiquette when, when something like this happens or when you're in a hospital or there's some sort of incident, there are, there are some, there's some rules in etiquette to follow. Uh, I'm not saying Valencia is following them, but I don't know if bringing a date uh, is following them either. So. I mean, is it a date, a date or is he like supporting her in a time when like her friend 
I just tried see, to kill herself. I wouldn't even like be the one to call it a date. Cool. They were the ones that said it was like we were going to have our third date, but then right, we were going to, but this is not a date. Yeah, it's and, not and, a date. and Valencia snapped before they even got to that point. Valencia just saw Hector, who is someone who does know Rebecca, and it's not like it's like some like you know rando who's never been part of the friend group at all. The instant Hector came in, Valencia's like, "Why is he here?" And Valencia always has that reaction to Hector, so that's why he says she's like this because Valencia reacts that way to Hector no matter what the situation is. It's so I think he's like that's perfectly true. valid in saying she's like this because Valencia always reacts to Hector that way. I actually think it's thoughtful. Like Hector shows up and he's like, Hey, I brought some snacks. Like, can I help? You know, they're all not leaving the hospital because they're ridiculous. Um, but they're trying to be supportive of Rebecca. And so he's like, here, I brought snacks. Like, can I help? Like, I think he's trying to be nice. I don't know if they were like making out in the waiting room of the hospital, that would be different, but. That'd be really bad. Uh, also very out of character for Heather, but, um, I do like that he brought snacks. I think that's always a good move when people stay at the hospital. Um, I've definitely been in that situation before, not like for a mental illness thing, but like someone breaks something or goes to the hospital, you're like there constantly and you just never leave. And it's like, boy, when you get on hour like 15 or whatever, it gets brutal to stay in that hospital. And like you have to, someone's going to make the Panera run to get the coffee and the and the bagels or whatever. So yeah, kudos, kudos to Hector for bringing snacks, I will say. Great. Love to, love to um, appreciate Hector in this episode. Um, so then we go back to Rebecca. She's talking to Paula. She's like, don't you need to go home? Like, don't don't the girls need to go to their jobs? Um, and Rebecca's trying to tell Paula, like, I'm going to be fine. I have everyone here. And, and she starts naming a couple people and Denise, <laughs> which is when Denise knocks again. And Paula says, Denise, I will strangle you in your sleep. And I think that's when she throws in the sheets or towels or whatever. And it's like, Paula. And like, you do have jobs. You can go. Like, Rebecca is okay. She doesn't need three of them there. 20%. Like, it's very appreciated. But they could be taking ships. They could be doing this. And it seems like they're all very wrapped up in what Rebecca is going through. And which is understandable. But they're also like not making sure that they're in a good space to help Rebecca. Like they're instead going to foist their own concerns on Rebecca later this episode. I just I've... can't take how mean Paula is to Denise, who is just doing her job. I think I'm more willing to forgive the, the Heather and Valencia aspect of it. I don't know what else like Heather would really be doing besides, you know, hanging out with Hector or whatever back at the house. She, you know, I don't, we haven't seen Valencia do much else. Paula should probably not still be there. Uh, there's there's other stuff going on in Paula's life that is probably worth her attention, whether it be her family or her job. Um, or her school. Or her school. Literally so many things. Uh, <laughs> and she's just not doing any of them. So, uh, yeah. Not, uh, you know, Melissa said this earlier. This is, this is a very bad Paula episode. Mm -hmm. I also still find it really weird that Rebecca calls her mama, like, Aren't you not that different in age? This is, it's weird. Your friend dynamic is weird. It is weird. And we see that in this episode many times. Um, yeah, I agree. The mama, <laughs> it's a bit much. But, you know, Rebecca is asking Paula, like, what's going to happen when I leave? And Paula's talking about how she met with this doctor, um, Dr. Dan, because he is so cute. <laughs> 
This is so weird. Also, like, I do think that this point from Rebecca is, like, very understandable of, like, here I am in the hospital where I am getting cared for. Like, there's only so many things. What happens when I go back to my normal routine and my normal life and I, how I ended up like this? I don't want to end up in the exact same spot again. I think that this is a very legitimate concern of Rebecca. So I do love in this moment where Paula's like, we will make sure like we won't leave here without a plan i thought it was like very uh good i didn't love the paula's whole like i will be the one to like help you with this plan uh as opposed to like the team of medical professionals that are helping rebecca right now but yeah i i just thought rebecca voicing these concerns was like also very appropriate and like very understandable for her to be concerned about that definitely um, and then we see Valencia is doing another video update. Uh, she's thanking everyone for their comments. They're cheering up Rebecca. And she says Rebecca's going home today. I think this might be a couple days later. Um, and Hector is trying to walk to the bathroom in the background of the shot. And she's like, you're ruining my shot. And Hector's like, okay, I'll crawl on the floor. <laughs> and then he gets down. Like, I'm sure they wash it often. I'm sure they don't. And he gets down and is like crawling across the floor, but he's still in the video. Like Valencia could have moved the camera to not show the floor, but he's still there crawling. Or just, she already paused it. She could have just left it paused so he passed through and then there's Zoom recording. Or he could have walked around the front. There was room in front of her as well. There are other options. She doesn't even redo the video. She just like continues from where she was. <laughs> it was like, she had options and she did not take them. Uh, it was very funny watching him like crawl behind her though in the shot. I thought that was really good. Oh, it's hilarious saying, but there, there are questions. There are questions here. Then we get a scene with Paula and Rebecca in her room. Obviously, she's about to leave, but it seems like Rebecca's like in the bathroom. Paula asks if she needs her to wipe anything. And that's when Rebecca's like, no, it was weird last time. And Paula's like, yeah, I shouldn't have looked you right in the eyes. <laughs> Maybe it is appropriate for her to call her mama if this is their relationship. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I was cackling. <laughs> That was so funny. I don't think you can find the word appropriate out. anywhere in this scene. I think the word appropriate can be struck in from any description. It's hilarious. But oh my lord. So funny. Uh. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, and Rebecca is, you know, she's kind of worried. She's saying, I know what's going to happen. The doctor's going to prescribe me meds and they're not going to work. Like, that's what happens. And Paula says, like, give him a chance, which is when Dr. Shin walks in. Um, he asks how Rebecca is doing. And she says she's all right. And that's when Paula jumps in. She's like, I can't wait to get Rebecca back home with me. And he's like, oh, you live together? <laughs> and Paula says, no, I live with my husband and kids, but I'll be driving her, staying with her, sleeping in her bed. <laughs> and Dr. Shin says, in her bed? <laughs> in her bed like paul's like yes oh i'm sorry have you never had a best friend before because you should talk to someone about that <laughs> oh my goodness paula oh paula now i will say i think obviously paula is going so overboard she's like won't 
leave Rebecca's side. However, I found this line absolutely hilarious. Like, oh, you've never had a best friend before? You've never slept in bed with your friend before? Like, that's a thing. Like, <laughs> It's absolutely a thing. Like, I think Paula is very justified in this moment of like, yeah, I loved her reaming him out. None of the things she is doing is necessary. It's all too much. But like, you know, yeah, if you haven't shared a bed with your friend, like, yeah, it's fine. Sorry, you guys are sharing beds? Like you're staying in the, yeah. like, uh, like, like now as an adult. Like when you go to like stay in a hotel, you don't share a bed. Um, I guess so, I've like never shared. Someone's a visiting you from room. out of town, and they crash at your place, and like sleep on the couch. I have shared beds with my friends. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if there's like two big available beds obviously yeah we don't need to but what's the line though like are you are you willing to like couch it or or would you be like more i also want todd to weigh in because i think this might be a there might be a split decision here (laughs) yeah i will say you know yeah hotels definitely uh, shared bed with friends at a hotel if there's like you know a lot of us in the room there's a a lot of options also uh like ski trips or like not much bed space, not much couch space. And so like a uh, best friend and I like basically shared a, a blow up, blow up bed, you know, but it's not a super common thing, but it is like whenever there are like no, no other options. Yeah. It'll happen. But it's not by necessity, but it's yeah. not like there's a bed and a couch and the, the automatic is that the two people are sharing the bed. Yeah. Okay. Adam. Oh, I'm sorry. Have you never had a best friend before? Because <laughs> I guess not. Yeah, I should. Yeah, yeah I really yeah. should. To me, it depends on, like, how comfy the couch is. If the couch is, like, a decent sleep, then sure. Or if does it like, depend on how big the bed is? If it's short and uncomfy, then I don't know. Hmm. Okay. I think it is dependent on the situation. However, I would have no hesitation to share a bed with one of my friends if the situation supported that, you know? Yeah, yeah, well, if it's by necessity, then like, okay, I, you know, I if if it's a hotel room with two beds and four people and no couches, like, okay. But if there's, you know, a bed and a couch and two people, I don't think there's ever a world where two two of us are sleeping in the bed and no one's sleeping on the couch, unless the couch is like made of <laughs> steel wool. <laughs> I was say, what if the couch is very tiny? You're a tall individual, notably. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, Adam is tall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Listen, I you did not know this. Recently, Lindy just recently found I, out what the DD oh, really? found out a while ago. So, yeah. I do love this sequence of like people slowly finding mm. out that Adam is tall. It happens every now and then. It's very yeah. Fun. I didn't know until maybe a few weeks ago. We were talking. I don't know if it was during the podcast or like before or after, but I was like, wait a second, Adam's tall? What? <laughs> it's the camera setup. His camera setup makes him look short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Um... <laughs> I also think I'm more prone to like do different hotel rooms if I'm if I'm traveling with someone as opposed to like sharing a hotel room with. Them. But I've never like I guess I've never traveled how, with, like, how much money do you have, Adam? This is wild to me. <laughs> well, I like, mean, I admittedly, cram, like, six people into a hotel room constantly. I don't have like enough. I, I don't travel with enough friends slash have enough friends to travel with six people constantly. Okay, don't make this sad so we feel bad for you. Well, well, like, who's going on, like, big trips with the, I mean. I mean, I go to Frisbee tournaments, like, 
throughout the entire summer, right? So like I, I literally like just sure two weeks ago was in a hotel where I was sharing a bed. But with like people. even this even this upcoming trip to New York, we have ten people in an Airbnb, but it's like a five bedroom type situation. Like I don't, no one is sharing a bed unless they are uh, married. You've got ten people, five rooms, and no one's sharing a bed. I mean, Justin. It's. I don't need to like say specific names and sleeping <laughs> yeah. arrangements. Talk to all your friends on the podcast. Yeah. But like, uh, you know, obviously, like Jess and Will are sharing a bed in in the room. But like, I am not sharing a bed with Todd. But you're sharing a room. That's so cute. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, not. you're not. And, and no, not, not everyone is staying at the Airbnb for the entire. Yeah, thing. it's like a whole people shift people thing. In and there's and couches. Rich is bringing a canoe. It's a whole thing. Okay, well, let's not get <laughs> stuck in is the details. Is someone sleeping in the canoe? I don't know. It was talked about. <laughs> okay, this is anyway. wild to me. Like, just share beds with people. I was on a road trip once with a friend of mine, and I walked into the room where we were going to be sharing a bed, and he had placed pillows down the middle of the bed to like divide yeah. it. Oh yeah. And I was like, "What do you think I'm going to do to you? Like, <laughs> Whoa! It's okay. This is very unnecessary. Like, I don't know." Heaven forbid people could just like share a bit totally platonically. It's not that Melissa, big a deal. Oh my God. If I'm ever in a situation where I am sharing a bed with someone and we walk in the room and the first thing they whisper to me is, what do you think I'm going to do to you? <laughs> I'm leaving the room. Yeah. If you have aligned a wall, like a fortified. Clearly the wall bed. was necessary for that. <laughs> I would be, I would be. I'm building the wall higher at that point. What's your threatening action? Oh my god! The way you said that, the look on your face—there was like such such glee. Such what am I? What do you think I'm gonna do to you? Yeah, because ah! it's ridiculous to me that it felt necessary. Sometimes you got to protect your personal space. Also, I like I move when I sleep. Like I will. Like inadvertently, I'll just like punch someone in the face if we are like sleeping in the same bed. Uh, you know, not like actually like a full punch, but like whatever. Like people move when they sleep, and so the wall is there to protect both of us. You know, this is giving us lots of insight into Adam's life. I'm gonna have to put up a wall on the bed sharing discussion so we can move on <laughs> to the episode. <laughs> is this when I admit that I'm coming for Jess's title of longest podcast? <laughs> Sorry, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah, that was vetoed before we even started. Lindy was like, no, that's not allowed. I just, I, I don't have the energy for that. I can't do it. <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we still have we quite a bit of episode. Too, Lindy. We said that then, but here we are. <laughs> um, so Rebecca asked Dr. Shin what meds he's going to give her. And that's when he says, well, your treatment is not centered on medication. Um, I think you've been misdiagnosed and I think you're you can get a lot better with the right diagnosis and he tells her like they're gonna discuss this later today at the clinic and Rebecca's really excited about this she calls it a whole new future of possibilities um, and that is when we get the first song of this episode which is called a diagnosis um, I feel like we're gonna have a lot of thoughts on this one so who wants to start I'll just say, I love this song. I love this song so much. It is like beautifully written, beautifully sung, some amazing lines, and just like the idea of the whole thing. Uh, 
there's like one line that I really love and there she talks like she's looking at this list of all these different groups that she could fit into and she's like they're not perfect they're not but at least they know who they are and I think there, there is a problem with her trying to equate her uh, personality to her diagnosis you know that's that's not who she is like so that's it's a problematic line but it's also I think it's very emblematic of what Rebecca's doing right now she's searching for something to help her find some find an anchor she's searching for something to help her cope and so she's been struggling all these years because people have slapped these labels on her that she doesn't really feel fit her and she feels like this time maybe she'll find out something that will give her some guidance um and again it's you know it's shouldn't be the be all and all of her but that line i think is like just really emblematic of the journey that rebecca is on right now i, I really really like them capturing that in the song but yeah i just think it's a great song rebecca's really big on the like here uh this thing will solve all my problems and then it, it'll be fixed right so this is she's thinking this diagnosis is like the thing that's going to give all the answers uh and suddenly she'll get the right treatment and she'll be okay and her life will be perfect and everything will be you know, like it was supposed to be in the fairy tales right like that's classic Rebecca and I just yeah I love this song so much it's like probably the song that stands out for me more than any other in this show um I described it in the notes as like a defying gravity-esque song about mental health which is just like so good um and then to tap it off with this, like all these lines from Rebecca about like, I'll finally have all the answers and everything will be great. And it's like, oh, great. Well, that's obviously not what's going to happen here. But um, I just thought it was good. I And I just have to shout out this this line of, yes, I like penises, but who doesn't? Because uh, that made me laugh. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of good lines in this song. Um, I think this is potentially one of the best songs of the entire series. Um, I think it's in my top five overall. Um, I think it's just spectacular. I love the defying gravity uh, comparison here. It's sort of like ending the first act of the third season in a, in a way of just sort of like closing that chapter of what we have seen throughout the first six episodes and then what we are going to see throughout the next seven. So um, huge fan of this song. Uh, absolutely loved it. I totally agree. It's beautiful. It's an amazing song. It's got funny lines. It really is a huge moment in the show and so i think that just like this song delivers on every level in terms of the plot in terms of the song itself like the humor the seriousness it's just incredible um so then we have the scene where rebecca gets her diagnosis uh she's with dr shin and she's excited and he says this isn't a simple diagnosis like don't look it up online before we've had a chance to talk about it um and she's totally ready for it and he says i can tell you're energetic um that's not uncommon after a suicidal event and so she starts talking calmly she's like okay this is my calm voice i'm ready <laughs> um and he says while you have symptoms of anxiety depression ocd possibly ptsd it is my opinion you exhibit characteristics of borderline personality disorder. And she's like, wow, okay. First question, what is that? <laughs> um, she, doesn't, she hasn't heard of it. Um, and what Dr. Shin says is that it means, you know, someone has difficulty regulating their emotions. They lack protect the protective emotional skin to feel comfortable in the world. 
And Rebecca starts just saying a lot of questions in a row, including, is this genetic? Did I get it from my mother? I got it from my mother. <laughs> uh, she's like, ask a whole bunch of questions, like just rapid fire, rapid fire, ask, answer without thinking, which she, she's done in the past, uh, you know. And his response is like, I, I never fall for rapid fire, which I, I just love. I, love. I just want to say here, I, I know uh, Melissa in the notes has like some uh, qualms with how Dr. Shin handles all, some of the stuff in this episode, which I know, like, yeah, I agree with that. In general, I really like Dr. Shin. I, I think as a character, I think he's like a really interesting, you know, a, a compliment to Dr. Copian as, as a, as, as a therapist uh, for, for Rebecca. I think his approach is very different from Dr. Copian's and I really like the interplay between the two of them a lot. It's always weird to me that he's a, he's on station 19, the Grey's Anatomy spinoff. And anytime he pops up on Grey's, I'm just like, Oh yeah, there's Dr. Shin. It's like, it's like very, very bizarre to me. Cause I went back cause I forgot cause I, I went back and rewatched Grey's uh, Careful. I went, Oh, it's a guy from station 19, the firefighter weird, you know, but uh, I just want to say, I, I really like Dr. Shin in general and that, the, uh, I never fall for rapid fire really cracked me up. Yeah, I guess my, my my little qualms are, I don't think that like giving someone nothing but a name and being like, don't Google it is ever going to be successful. And so that felt a bit like, okay, you're setting them up for failure here. Give them something like try to, I don't know, like it just, I, I thought that that was pretty, uh, obviously going to be bad and he could have seen that coming uh and then i don't love his whole like okay we're going to group therapy right now and it's like okay you have to like tell people what <laughs> before they go to group therapy you can't just like spring it on the i guess she's still like technically an inpatient at the hospital but it, uh i don't know that this felt was like actually it, i think an outpatient it was labeled outpatient okay well then even worse yeah <laughs> I do agree with you. I think he says, like, this is complicated, so don't look it up before we've had a chance to talk about it. But it's like, isn't this your chance to talk about it? Like, why can't you tell her right now um, instead of going to group therapy when she's just heard this term but not gotten a big explanation of it? So I do see your point there. Yeah, like, he already did the whole, like, I have a diagnosis for you, but we're going to do it later. And so then, like, this later should have been a time to actually talk about it and then go to group therapy, not, like, let's just go to group therapy with a bunch of other people who, you know, we're going to spring that on you. And then suddenly uh, that's going to be how you find out about this is, like, through other people who theoretically also have this diagnosis. I thought that that was weird. But generally, I do really like him. I like so. Um, they don't. I they don't really talk about it in the episode. But he is most likely a psychiatrist, and then Doctor Copian is a therapist, and so it makes sense that they're kind of collaborating on this diagnosis. I really loved that that he was like very open about like in accordance with Doctor Copian, who like clearly knows Rebecca better than he does, and so he's got kind of that medical knowledge and maybe more of a specialization in this but dr copian has that experience with rebecca so I, I really appreciated that he talked about it like as a collaboration with this diagnosis um and yeah like this whole um bpd is something that you talk you know i can talk more about this as, as we go but uh it is something that you kind of do approach with kind of talk therapy more so than medication so i thought that that was great too You tell me. Do you want me to talk about borderline personality disorders? This when we do that. I mean, 
I I think so. Yeah, great. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, the, you you picked this episode ages ago. I feel like this is this is the bread and butter here, yeah, Doctor so, Woodward. Yeah. So anyone listening, um, I am not a uh, medical professional, so uh, I do want to put that out there right now. But I uh, am a like clinical psychiatry researcher, so this is why I'm like pretty familiar with this type of area. So borderline personality disorder, it is interesting that it's kind of classified as a personality disorder rather than kind of a mental health diagnosis. These are thought to be um, a little bit different in some ways, but they do kind of all fall under the category of mental health. And and I really like the way that he talked about this, about that kind of emotional skin because it's kind of otherwise, BPD is otherwise known as emotional dysregulation disorder. Uh, and all of these things, we're going to get these nine traits from Dr. Kopian later, but this like emotional instability, feelings of worthlessness, insecurity, impulsivity, impaired social relationships. Like we see, we've seen all of those in Rebecca for the last two and a half seasons. Um, and then the main treatment for BPD is called dialectical behavior therapy. It's actually a very specific type of talk therapy designed for people with borderline personality disorder. And it focuses on things like mindfulness and kind of tuning into the emotions that you're experiencing and trying to uh, learn how to regulate those in, in stressful times, which can be really difficult. And then it's often coupled with things like cognitive behavioral therapy. So that's a type of talk, talk therapy that analyzes kind of your thought process that precedes your actions and, and gets you to kind of question, oh, I'm thinking that my, you know, my friends don't like me and therefore I act out at them. And so it's like, okay, well, let's take that thought and and analyze that and see if that's actually real and to kind of interrupt that like false thought to action pathway. And so you can kind of see how that would be helpful for someone like Rebecca, who clearly like makes a lot of stories in her mind and then acts on them. And those stories aren't always accurate. And so it's just, it was interesting to me that he talks about like, it's not totally about medication because that is, uh, very accurate for for BPD. You could sometimes have medication because there's often co-occurring things like depression and anxiety with BPD. And so treating that with medication can be helpful, but it's not always uh, it's not always necessary. You know, it can kind of uh, talk therapy is that kind of main target. Uh, and then when she, I thought it was funny when she's talking about, did I get it from my mother? Like it had to have been because uh, like to some extent, maybe uh, there is definitely like a family history genetic component to BPD. Um, there's also uh, I'm a neuroscientist by training. So obviously the brain stuff is the coolest, uh, but it, uh, there's certain parts of the brain involved in like decision making, emotional control, like changes in these parts of the brains are found in people with BPD, uh, as well as a history of like trauma and unstable relationships. So thinking of Rebecca's relationship with her mom in this instant, like that, I think makes a lot of sense as well. So all of this is, you know, not to say that if you uh, experience trauma or unstable relationships that you'll develop BPD, obviously there's like many, many factors that go into it, but kind of all of these things combined are thought to be risk factors. So I thought it was very interesting. And I just, um, I love that this show represents BPD. Like, I just don't think that we see it in almost any other show, like certainly none that I can think of. And so I thought that this was such a interesting choice for them to make of, you know, there's actually a way that it, it felt well earned in this show that we've seen this pattern of behavior from Rebecca and 
it makes sense that this would be like a hard diagnosis for her to have received. Not a lot of people are super familiar with BPD. It can very easily mask. And, you know, a lot of these, um, a lot of these symptoms you see in other things, right? Like feelings of worthlessness. Like that certainly makes sense that at some point she would have been diagnosed with depression, like these kinds of things. And so it makes sense to me that this diagnosis would have been hard to come by. Um, and that the treatments that she would have been receiving for these other things wouldn't have worked because, you know, there is kind of this particular therapy that we do um, tend to associate with BPD. And so she's never had a chance to uh, have it uh, addressed directly, then it makes sense that she's been struggling this whole time and that getting the right kind of help would be really critical for her. So I just thought it was so cool that this is a show that, uh, I just give Rachel Bloom especially like a ton of credit for uh, working on this show in a way that handles this episode in particular and this general storyline so well, um, doing it in a way that feels very unusual. Uh, Rebecca isn't demonized for her mental health. There's no, um, I don't know, it's it's a lot of her concerns around it are very understandable, but generally she's very supported, but people don't always know the right way to handle it. Like I just thought it all felt so real and well done uh, and very like responsibly told. And yeah, I like do a lot of ranting about bad ways that mental health is construed on television. If you ever want me to talk about criminal minds, I will do it uh, and rant for a very long time. But uh, yeah, I just, anyway, shows that represent mental health well and like issues related to that in a positive way just instantly have my heart. And this episode was the show, was like the one that the show truly won my heart because it was just so well done. That's my whole spiel. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for going into all that detail. Um, I also want to say, personally, I will not be doing a Criminal Minds podcast, so you you might have to find someone else's to go on <laughs> with that. But I mean, there's like, what, 500 episodes or something like that to go through? So Yeah, and I watched every single one and was oh very God, angry at most really? of them. Holy yeah. smokes. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that's some hate watching right there that's a... yeah it is it was it was a lot of hate watching people with schizophrenia are more likely to be the victims of violence than the perpetrators of it i'm just gonna say that we're done we're done it's not a criminal <laughs> mind podcast no it's not <laughs> um the only thing i wanted to talk about here i i really did like your point melissa about how this being literally the only show that i have ever seen that has even said you know, BPD. Like I, it's never even been like a thing that has come up. I certainly wasn't expecting it. I did this, just the smallest possible amount of research uh, that I could ever, you know, do whatever we, we recorded like three episodes in a week. And so I just looked up like some little thing that I thought was interesting, just an interview with Rachel Bloom on how for the first roughly season and a half, they had sort of written Rebecca just by feel there was sort of this idea of what Rebecca was in their mind. And they sort of, you know, it all made sense to them at the time. And then about through the midway point of season two, she said she was being very intentional about seeing the signs of what Rebecca had already been doing based on their feel and then furthering that narrative to connect it to BPT here. So it, it, this has been more than a season in the making here, which I think is, is pretty cool to have something that we've seen seeded all the way from season one that wasn't even necessarily intended until the midway point of season two. 
um, which which is which is fascinating, and probably speaks more to uh, mental the speaks more to BPD in and of itself more than it does to actual writing. Um, but uh, it, that that was really fascinating. I also think it speaks well of like Rachel Bloom and the intentionality with this character, and the fact that it like she knew who this character was without a diagnosis herself. And then kind of the character of Rebecca got her diagnosis down the road. I think that that's actually very cool. Um, Yeah. And just very well done. Anyway. Yeah. For sure. Um, That's when we see Rebecca goes in the bathroom, I guess on the way to the group therapy and she looks up BPD which is exactly what she wasn't supposed to do. But of course, how could she resist? I totally understand that. Um, And she sees basically a bunch of horrifying things to her, having just learned that this is her diagnosis. Um, It says, you know, one of, we kind of see them on the screen. One of the most stigmatized diagnoses. Treatment often takes a lifetime. Many psychiatrists refuse to treat patients with BPD. Personality disorders are among the most challenging to treat. Treatment is slow and often difficult. And at the end, 10% of all people with BPD eventually die by suicide. And obviously, all of these facts all at once, well, not necessarily facts, but all this information all at once coming at Rebecca is really overwhelming. She's like, no, no, no. Like, she obviously is not reacting well to this. Yeah, I don't know the stats on... um on suicide and the whole like psychiatrist refusing to treat BPD thing seems weird. But the other stuff I think is pretty accurate from my understanding that, you know, uh, I don't think it's something that you go to therapy for a couple months and suddenly you're better. Like I, I think it is something that, you know, you kind of work on for a lifetime. Personality disorders can be really hard to treat and to, uh, you know, learn to cope with. And so I think a lot of these headlines were probably, actual headlines that she could have read i don't think that they were necessarily exaggerated for effect um and yeah i don't i don't i i this is on dr shit dr shit should have known this was going to happen yeah and then we see valencia um at rebecca and heather's place she's doing a live video now she's saying this is day five part two (laughs) um she's really going all out here um, she's saying Rebecca's at the outpatient treatment center and back here we stocked up on all her favorite comfort carbs. She's holding up a plate of donuts and she's like, my girl loves her sugar, salt and dough. <laughs> and she's like, I just think this is funny because the season one Valencia would have absolutely insulted Rebecca to no end for her love of carbs. And she definitely did on more than one occasion. And here she is being so supportive. And actually, you know, getting those carbs for Rebecca. Yeah, that really stood out to me too. I had the same thought, Lindy. Just like, yeah, season one Valencia never would have done this at all. She would have like been totally shaming Rebecca or trying to get her to do yoga instead. So this is definitely, you know, whatever her other motivations for the the videos or like that, this is definitely like a different Valencia than what we knew initially. I was impressed with her ability to deliver the line. My girl loves carb, sugar, and salt or dough or whatever. Like, and there's so many ways where Valencia saying those words about Rebecca sounds like the most condescending, sarcastic thing ever. And like, we're all here agreeing that like Valencia actually genuinely is different than before. So 
you know, kudos to kudos to her on that. Also, plate of donuts uh, looked pretty good. They looked like high quality donuts. Is this Adam's Kitchen Corner? Do we it talk about be. our favorite comfort carbs? All of them. <laughs> I mean, I, admittedly, I donuts are very good. I think like donuts would certainly be a go-to before a lot of other options. Like a like a glazed sour cream cake donut. Oh. Sour cream are the best donuts. I'm not a big donut person, but like chips are probably popcorn. It's probably my like something super salty. It's like my mm-hmm. favorite comfort carb. I'm definitely more in the donut sweet side of of things from the comfort carbs. I think uh, I like chips, but I, uh, popcorn definitely isn't something that I go to as a comfort thing. I basically eat popcorn when I go to the movies, and the smell hits me, and it's overpowering. Oh, there's popcorn here, you know. Uh, but yeah, donuts are probably like much much closer to my sort of comfort carb. I believe I've said this many times, but I love sugar. So (laughs) (laughs) I love my sugar, salt, and dough. I love pasta. Yeah. Oh my. You know what? I'll have any of the comfort carbs. That is, that's my comfort food for sure. Love it. Uh, I you have a comment about popcorn. We're gonna extend the kitchen corner ever so slightly because I was mentioning like the the movie theater popcorn. I am. I, okay, I'm like simultaneously the best and worst person to see a movie with because I say nothing during the movie. I'm I'm actually very good to like sit next to you, whatever. But every time I go to movies, I bring my own white cheddar seasoning because oh, I like talked about. This. I like refuse yeah. to eat the popcorn without the white cheddar seasoning. You gotta have the white cheddar salt and put it on the popcorn. It's it's the key to everything. White cheddar popcorn is top tier. This is one of those things where I like listen to episodes of your podcast and I was like, was I on? Did I talk to you about this? I don't, <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I don't point. think I was on for your popcorn episode uh, when you were talking about, you know, best types of popcorn or whatever. But oh, my God, we did do a popcorn. Quiz. Yeah. See, yes. I remember I listen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's pretty wild. Adam, that's, that's a that's a wild take. In that I in that I bring it with me or that I yeah. I mean, if they had it there, I wouldn't have to bring it with me. But they don't have it there. So, like, what am I supposed to do, you know? <laughs> yes, there's no other option. It's the only <laughs> option available. It really boxed really me in. <laughs> I like to get a milkshake at the movie theater. Oh. Cookie shake, you know, at the Alamo. Wait, your yeah. movie theater has milkshakes? I was going to say, I'll... I've never been to a movie theater that has milkshakes. Alamo Draft House milkshakes are really good. Oh. Okay. Highly recommend. Try it out. I mean, like, okay, we don't have Alamo Draft House, but um, yeah, I'm a very big popcorn person, so I will just, you know, there's no sharing popcorn when you go to the movie theater. You get your own because uh, I, yeah, I'm, I will eat it all myself. I also <laughs> eat popcorn just... like m- multiple times a week at home. Not to be a total Al- Alamo snob, but they have bottomless popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so you're saying you should share and then just like go get the refills yeah well you don't have to stand up someone will bring it to you oh okay because that was my next question i was gonna be like who is leaving the movie to go get the refills no no, at alamo you just put up a little you have a little order card you don't even have to talk to me you have a little like order card that you write on there refill popcorn put it up they'll come and grab it you don't even have to talk to anybody to interrupt the movie do they have white cheddar though is my question I'm not sure. I haven't uh, done 
done much of the popcorn. I feel like if they have milkshakes, they have to have white chocolate. They have they have food. They you can eat a full meal there. And I often have. And what's really like blowing my mind right now is that Lindy, who does not like to watch movies, has been to Alamo Draft House enough to have strong opinions about Alamo Draft House. Yeah, actually, I was, yeah, this well, is I'll interesting. Tell you this. I'll tell you this. I don't love movies. However, if that's the case, the best place to go is Alamo because you can eat the entire time, never have to leave your seat. And it's great. <laughs> that's true of every movie ever. What? Uh, what do you know? You don't understand. Todd gets it. They bring it to you. You can Todd, order no, from their full like, menu. Todd, Todd is obsessed with movies. He watches like 300 movies a year. And I'm saying. obsessed with Alamo Draft House, and I I agree that it's the best place to watch a movie. So, <sighs> Lindy and I are in a, agreement here. All right, all right. I'm well, also an Alamo snob. So, wow. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. Todd gets it. <laughs> Let me. I'm checking their popcorn because I feel like they have a cheese option, but I don't know. I would be very, I mean, I, I'll just bring my own regardless, just in case, but it would be better if they had it, you know? Just in case. Um, they, you can add herb parmesan or truffle seasoning. Mm. That sounds too bougie. Yeah. You agree well, okay. that it sounds too bougie? I think it, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not eating popcorn to like be bougie. Believe me, there are t- there's a time and a place to be bougie. Let me tell you. Also, bringing your own white cheddar seasoning is a little bougie. I it's, think. it's pretty bougie. Yeah, but, it is. But, 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 but it doesn't have the word truffle in it. And I feel like once you start throwing around that word, like we've really escalated. Okay. I... Herb? What kind of herbs are you putting in your popcorn? Was it chicken? I mean, it's, what? It's, it's, okay. it's popcorn. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, is like there, herbs. like, oregano on your, like, yeah. what? Yeah. What are we doing? some basil on there? What are, I mean. Yeah. To be fair to myself, I got the buttered kind, not the herb or the truffle. However, not to bring up an old conversation, but when we talked about popcorn before, I told y'all that I like this truffle popcorn that I found at the grocery store. And you're like, oh, my gosh, like, look at you. And I was like, it was a few dollars. Like, I, I'm not paying, like, a high price for truffle popcorn. It's, it's like the same price as so, normal popcorn. Lindy, what you're confirming here is that we have all been shockingly consistent in our take that truffle popcorn is incredibly bougie. And I don't understand it. I don't I don't get that. It's just the word truffle. You hear yeah, the word truffle and it's, it's like true. that's probably a billion dollars. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we're, we're going to keep this podcast short. We're not going for the record. And then we relitigate <laughs> truffle gate. Okay, well, I, mean, I told you my very first episode. I refuse to be on an episode without an Adam's Kitchen corner. Like this, this is in my uh, <laughs> what's it called my contract. Yeah. My, mm-hmm. writer? Yeah. My, my, my writer, my my writer. Thank you. That's okay, great. well, speaking of writers, speaking of writers, everyone's writing for Rebecca. There's a hashtag. Bunch of friends. Did that work for everyone? Is it, yes. it sort of worked? Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. good. Okay, great. <laughs> um, yeah, hashtag bunch of friends. She's got like a worldwide kind of thing going on this is a lot i feel like this is like a private personal emotional time and people all over the world are getting a view of it but i assume rebecca has okayed it on some level i don't really know um this feels like a very i'm not gonna say common but it feels like a very prevalent thing i have like seen these types of things go viral there was like a, a couple kids Oh my gosh, I forget the names because I can't stand when I see these. You're like all the, the GoFundMes of stuff like that. Like these types of movements I feel like are are fairly common. So when Heather was talking about like there's people all over the place getting involved, it's like, yeah, it kind of tracks. 
Really? Yeah. This, this is wild. Yeah. I've never, never seen, seen those? Thing. No. Oh. Yeah. I, I, def, I definitely have seen things like that. And I thought that's probably the thing that never Rebecca okayed her putting, making a Facebook post. Maybe Rebecca thought it was going to be a Facebook post. It was just like a closed group for friends and not something that was open to the public for anybody in the world. Because there, there are two different levels you can do. You can do like a Facebook group where it's only people that you invite. And so only people who have the need to see what's going on with someone's medical problems can see it. I've been involved in those invited those groups before for family members and things like that, where it's very private. And but then there are people who will just like throw it up into the world. And that, that's what Valencia's in here. And I feel it's probably not what Rebecca was wanting, but I don't know if she gave enough guidance here. But don't like, know just, for sure. Cause we never actually see the conversations between Rebecca and Valencia. Valencia keeps saying, Oh, Rebecca, okay. This Rebecca's a uh, really uh, enjoying what you're saying, but we never actually see the actual conversations between Valencia and Rebecca about any of this stuff. Which I think it's kind of interesting that we only see Valencia talking about how much Rebecca's getting out of it, how much Rebecca has okayed it, what Rebecca thinks of it. We never actually see Rebecca necessarily talk about herself. Yeah, and how much is Rebecca just like going along with this because this is how Valencia wants to help and like just kind of being like, sure, whatever. I Because I think like the, in that moment of I'm getting all these texts and phone calls and like, I don't have time to like, or like the emotional bandwidth to reassure all of these people that I'm okay. And, you know, explain what's happening to me. And, you know, I think that that's a lot. So I do understand this need to be like, can you talk to all of these people who, you know, are very kind to be concerned, but also, you know, I don't know, but, and then Valencia like clearly, you know, balloons it out so that it's random strangers on the internet and, I don't know. Yeah, it's wild to think of like how much of this Rebecca actually knows about and is okay with and how much of it is Valencia just being too much. Well, it wasn't even Valencia's idea either, right? Like Paula came into that room the first time and basically told Valencia slash Heather, like someone needs to do this. And then, you know, Valencia certainly has taken it well and well and truly above there. But uh, it wasn't even like Valencia seeing this and be like, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, it started from from her being asked. And Heather's definitely not all on board uh, when Valencia's doing this video. She's in the background. She's like, have you told them that we had to take all the knives out of the house? Um, and Valencia kind of stops the video. And Heather's also like, do you know how to jailbreak an avocado? <laughs> this is the, my favorite line of the whole episode. It cracked me up so much. <laughs> it's like, it's, how do you get into an avocado if you have no knives? <laughs> it makes sense. Um but I also think that, again, it was like Valencia's presenting this like very rose-colored image of what's going on, which is obviously the entire point. And uh, Heather's like, I don't know, like things aren't amazing here. Like, are you being honest or are you just telling people what they want to hear? And that's when Rebecca walks in and... Uh, she tells them, I got the worst diagnosis ever. It's called BPD. I read two sentences about it, and they were the worst sentences ever. <laughs> um, and that's like a funny statement, but it's also sad. She starts crying. And this is where Valencia goes too far in this direction. She starts to film this part, but Heather stops her. I just not felt like great. that was, yeah, that not, was... it's not great. That's a, uh, there, there's like, okay, updating friends on what's going on. Like, oh, my friends have an emotional break, great breakdown. Let's stream it to everyone live. Yeah. No, Valencia, no. No. <laughs> 
Um, and then we see Nathaniel. He is looking at Valencia's video that has ended. Um, and he is trying to write a comment on there. This one, I think, is going even worse than the first one with the flowers. This one, he writes, Wishing you the best after your suicide attempt. Yours, Nathaniel J. Plimpton III, Esquire. And this is a public comment on Facebook <laughs> or Instagram or whatever. Yeah, which I think is probably why it's even worse. Because the private message, he could be sure that only Rebecca would know that he, she started to melt his cold, cold heart. And here, he's having to you know want to support her, but also realize that other people are going to see. And so the thing that has been drummed into him by his ultra-waspy parents that we'll find out very soon is like being triggered. So I, I understand why it's worse than the other stuff, but it's not good. It's very funny. And Nathaniel's obviously very uncomfortable. He sighs. He It's like tugging at his collar. He's looking at a picture that's on his desk. Um, I'm fairly certain it's you know, a picture of him and his mom when he was a kid. Um, and that's when George walks in again. <laughs> George is really annoying Nathaniel this episode. Um, Nathaniel just said he had a weird deja vu moment. And at this point, we don't really know what he means. But we'll find out. But George is saying, like, we're going to visit Rebecca this weekend. Um, he's kind of nervous about it. And George starts talking about how when he was a kid, his dog died and he found him. And Nathaniel just yells, stop it. And he's like, I have to go. And he rushes out. And George responds, is like, oh, no, it's okay. I'm a cat guy now. Which, as, as a cat person, please, George, we don't want you to join our ranks. You can <laughs> stay, stay over there. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want him. Uh, you can have him. It's fine. I mean, well, like, you're welcome to him, George. People can be both things. It really bugs me. People can like cats and dogs. It's yes. fine. They can. <laughs> yeah. Or neither. <laughs> no, that that's the only <laughs> wrong opinion, actually. <laughs> I said that even though I knew that was going to be the reaction. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, The uh, this whole scene with like Nathaniel basically starting to have like a panic attack. It's like really, really interesting the first mm -hmm. time you're watching it because you know you're you're thinking he's just all about like Rebecca has it's really bothered him because of Rebecca is listening to Rebecca. But if that's the case, it's if that was all it was, it would feel a little bit like unearned to a certain degree. Uh, because even though he started to have feelings for her, his like reaction seems to be like well above that for someone who still is like unsure of his relationship. But to know what comes later it's it's really interesting here again it's like this is the, the start of the nathaniel redemption uh movement on, on the show i think the last couple episodes have been to a certain degree like everything with him the end of last episode talking about rebecca and how with her being gone he realizes how much he misses her and how much how she started to to thaw out his heart and made, makes him care and everything you start to get that a little bit less episode but this is really where the you know humanizing of nathaniel begins in earnest I don't know if y'all have talked about this before. Did any of you watch Greek? Yes. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't, though. <laughs> okay. Because I loved Cappy in Greek. So this is why, like, I am instantly, like, primed to, like, Nathaniel because I loved Cappy so much. Only Lindy understands that. So It's a real thing. Yeah. We love Cappy. We love Nathaniel. Yep. What can you do? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what can you do, Adam? I mean, not like Nathaniel is the easy <laughs> answer, I think. Um, and see, I, I don't have that uh, the Greek connection, but I still find myself liking Nathaniel more often than not. 
So, which I think is, it speaks to the performance of the actor a lot. I think even whenever Nathaniel is doing things that are, you know, awful, the, the actor brings so much humor to it. He's definitely, never he's being a bad guy, he's a bad guy you love to hate instead of a bad guy that you just want off your screen all the time. For for me, I know there are people out there who disagree. Uh, hi, Jess. Uh, but for the most part, uh, I, I do like Nathaniel. And it's yeah. like, hi, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Nathaniel. I think he's so, yeah, partially I just really love this actor. Um, and yeah, like, I think Cappy is kind of a similar character where you're like, oh, these are not always you making the greatest decisions, but like you still enjoy the character. I think, yeah, because of, I don't know, the actor himself is charming and, uh, you know, people don't always do the right thing and often certainly make mistakes. Uh, I don't think that anyone on this show is infallible. I think these are all very flawed characters. Thank you, Melissa, for providing that perspective because Adam hates the fact that I like Nathaniel. And I. To be clear, I, I, I certainly do not hate the fact that you like Nathaniel. Uh, you're, you're more than welcome to whatever opinion you would like to have. I, you know. I will choose to not share that opinion, especially at this particular time when we are, as I said before, a single digit number of episodes away from him murdering Josh's grandfather. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm still going to maybe have a little bit of hesitancy before I come on board uh, with this with this particular character that has been unequivocally terrible for a full season and has now entered the uh one third of his uh, redemption arc this episode so you know uh it'll it'll take some of us a lot a little bit more time i did not greek with the rest of you so uh yeah. nathaniel is also part of one of my favorite crazy ex-girlfriend songs as well uh that i don't believe you all have got to yet so there is that Oh, Lindy was so excited for that to be. The I zoo. was hoping <laughs> the, I go to the zoo, but or let's have intercourse. She, I would accept that as well. She was so ready for that to be the zoo, Melissa. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that episode yet, but I go to the zoo is my second favorite song in the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, <laughs> I don't remember that one off the top of my head. So, yeah, okay, you can wrong. listen after this. Notably, uh, let's do a little bit of old business here. An hour and twenty-five <laughs> minutes into the podcast, I gave that song a two under the under the situation that if Lindy were to sing a version of that as the outro, I would bump it up to a full five because Lindy singing a song for the outro of a podcast is going to get a full five for me. Never happened. Uh, we weren't able to pull it together, unfortunately. Here's the thing. It's not that we couldn't pull it together. It's that I realized... So I did a recording of my first favorite song, um, which is Love Kernels. Back then, I did the intro to Love Kernels. Mm -hmm. and podcast. And then when I was going to do this one, what I realized was that the Love Kernels thing was a spoken part of the song um and this mm -hmm. i would have to sing and i'm not good at singing mm -hmm. i didn't want to put my singing on the podcast well as a result uh the two stays so yeah um, um, that's fair pretzels, Do you think it's understandable of like not yeah not wanting to like record us having 
record, you know, Todd can relate to this. Having recorded yourself singing in something that's going to follow in like quick succession by Adam singing is like not <laughs> ideal. Uh, it's, it's not a fun situation to put yourself in. I understand. Well, let, let's not bury the lead here. Both of you have done it. Exactly. And it was miserable. It was not enjoyable. Put it out there publicly to much avail and and well-deserved credit on both of your parts. Uh, I don't know what this nonsense is here. Uh, Lindy would have been very capable of seeing Let's Go to the Zoo and it would have uh, have earned another three points on the song. I appreciate you saying that. However, you've never heard me sing. So, like, what are you basing this on? I'm basing it on my firm. I uh, this is a very firm belief that I have that a lot of people are are now becoming very familiar with. I believe that anyone can uh, sing to the best of their ability and put it out there. I don't think people should be ashamed of of whatever singing they have. Not everyone is a classically trained opera singer. Whatever it doesn't matter. We're singing crazy ex girlfriend songs about how this white guy who murdered who was about to murder Josh's grandfather likes to go to the zoo to blow some steam. Like at the end of the day, the stakes could not be lower. I feel like people who can sing are the ones that say that everybody can sing. Yeah, it's just not true, Adam. <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> okay, well, I, <laughs> we'll see you been in a musical. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to, like, disprove that theory more than you being in a musical, but that feels like pretty solid evidence that you can sing. Having that anyone can sing, having though? sung, but it's it's the it's the mindset of Melissa opening up with like, yeah, I can't sing, like there's no way I can do this, and me being like, yes, yes, you can, like this can happen, and guess what? It happened. I was right. I was completely <laughs> right. We don't need to like relitigate this argument for a long time, but I have about thirty years of history of people telling me that I cannot sing to like that you were trying to counteract here, so. Okay, and I have 24 years of life experience. Anyone can sing, baby. Um, yeah, I did just double check. You have not covered this episode yet, but you will be covering it soon. Oh. Uh, episode Indeed. nine has. Oh, you're gonna tell us. I'm thinking of. Well, then I feel like we're gonna know what it is now. <laughs> yeah, probably. It, it's fit, fit hot guys have problems too. It's one of my favorite songs of this whole show. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I just had to double check that I could not be the one covering it. It was the next season. She'd be claiming I, it right now. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, nope, someone else will talk about okay, that. Can I, I'll lock this in right now. That song gets a five if Melissa sings it as the outro to our podcast. <laughs> what if Melissa and, and I collaborated to sing it? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, that was the easiest that, yes that of all time. should get a five anyway. It's a great song. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't remember the song. Uh, what? Oh, man. It's okay. You didn't remember the zoo song. So, <laughs> it's, you know, it's fine. Uh, it certainly could get a five. I'm just saying I will commit right now. I'll give it a five if, if you slash you and Lindy sing it as the outro for the podcast. Hmm. Take that information and do with it what you will. No pressure, Melissa. We don't have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I care enough about your ranking of that song. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. You can just be wrong, and that's fine too. <laughs> so I kind of win either way. Adam is not it. afraid I, to be wrong. Is that yeah. how that works? <laughs> yeah. You win either way. Okay. I keep forgetting we have an episode to talk about. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe let's go back to that real quick. Um <laughs> just briefly. 
yeah, yeah just for yeah. a little bit <laughs> before we um, get another side tangent yeah so rebecca is at home she's with paula valencia heather of course um they're talking and she's saying she didn't go to group therapy because she was too upset um she's talking about bp she's like it's not something i have it's something i am like it's a personality disorder um she's really upset about what she learned about it and she says i feared this my whole life i'm broken and this really stood out to me because that is what she told paula couple episodes ago like your life is broken and boring and obviously that's something she has feared about herself as well um and valencia is saying there's a whole facebook group in venezuela that's devoted to you like to try to help and heather's like omg seriously stop the name of that group by the way is el buncho valiente Brave bunch. Love it. Um, this is when Paula presents the idea of let's get a second opinion. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. Um, but the way she describes it, I think, is where this starts um, getting a little weird. She says, you know, we don't have to accept Dr. Shin's diagnosis with a capital D. We don't have to take his D. Who says his D is so great? We should get another D and then we'll have two. <laughs> Rebecca was like, yeah, we don't have to have him. <laughs> what does she say? It's shove his D down our throats, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That uh, <laughs> this is just too much. Um, Paula is like, we'll have two D's. We'll figure out which D you like better. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's how it works. Paula. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. So Heather's face through the entire D conversation just gave me life because her face the entire time. It's like, do you not realize what you're saying? Do you not realize what you're doing? Please just stop talking. Just like this look of utter disgust to the whole thing. It's just so Heather and it's so great. Yeah, just this whole like, if Dr. Acopian knew that this diagnosis made me sad, she wouldn't want that for me was just like so ridiculous i couldn't i couldn't deal uh and once again heather is the best because she's the one being like this is not good no don't what are you doing this is all bad exactly heather, yeah. well yeah so they decide to go see dr copian because rebecca's like she wants me to be happy and this is not what happy feels like that's a line we've heard before um in the first episode like this is what happy feels like it clearly wasn't um Rebecca's here. She's like, Dr. Okopian likes me a lot. Like, she wants me to be happy. Let's go. Paula says, I'll drive. And Heather is like, I recommend an appointment. Maybe don't crawl through her doggy door, um, which is very specific, but has happened before. <laughs> so she has to say it. Yeah, know that line about a, uh, this is not what happy feels like, definitely like really jumps out at you. Because that's what Rebecca is searching for. She's searching for that feeling of happy constantly. And like the, she thought the diagnosis was going to make her happy. And it did not make her happy. So you know, ergo, the diagnosis was wrong. Because the diagnosis was going to make her happy. And she's caught in this little loop. And Dr. Okopia wants me to be happy. So she's going to give me a different diagnosis. Just because that will make me happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Valencia wonders how to spin this for a worldwide audience. Not the best thing to wonder, but she's still she's still doing that. 
Then we get a scene with Nathaniel. He goes to visit his parents. Um, I believe we've seen his dad before when he called Nathaniel an unsuccessful oil tycoon <laughs> based on his outfit. Um, but I don't think we've seen his mother before. Um, he's visiting them at their house. They're having martinis. And his dad is like, martini time can't be interrupted. Um, which Adam is nodding. <laughs> it's it's generally speaking, it's best not to interrupt martini time. This is probably a worthwhile interruption. But, you know, generally speaking, mar martini time is sacred. Uh, but his mother asks him, like, what is it? And Nathaniel basically says, I need answers. Um, he really just is extremely straightforward and says, Mom, when I was 10, did you try to kill yourself? He says he has a memory where he heard something fall over and saw her pass out on the floor and her eyes were rolling back in her head, um, which is when his dad came in and told him to go to his room. And then she was gone for a month and everyone told him, like, don't talk about this. Don't ask questions. Um, his dad, his parents lied and said, like, she had the flu. She just went sailing for a month. And obviously, as an adult, Nathaniel can see through this very obvious lie. <laughs> he says, like, who goes sailing for a month when they have the flu? That's a terrible lie. Um, but basically, his parents, his dad is saying this conversation is over. And Nathaniel keeps pressing them for answers. He says, my friend, like, I can't reach out to her at all. I just picture this lifeless body. Of, it just makes me think of you. Um, and I, I'm here for answers. Um, and his dad is, is shutting down this conversation. He's saying, this isn't how we raised you. And so he turns to his mom and says, Mom, please. And she says, I hate to see you so upset, but it's unpleasant to dredge up the past. And then she invites him to dinner. Um but she goes to lie down and his dad is basically mad that he upset her. And he says, you're getting peppery since you started working at that new office and get out. This whole scene made me cry. It's like, it's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I felt so much for like kid Nathaniel who had this like really terrible experience and then like nobody to talk about it with and nobody to help him process what happened and no understanding of what happened and just this like intense like need to paper over any sort of unpleasantness and you know hide this stigma like even within your own family uh was just very um very sad and yeah very um I don't know. Yeah, this was very emotional. It felt very, um, it felt not only very true to what we had seen of Nathaniel thus far in the show in terms of just how, how he was acting throughout most of season two of being very, very closed off and impersonal and, and never wanting to sort of like dive into that, just wanting to be very strictly focused on, on work and not get in, into anything big. But I think it is a, it's, it's very poignant that the, the thing that his, um, the thing that is inspiring him to reach out to his mother, to, to, to figure out what happened there is Rebecca. And it's not, you know, it, it's sort of like showing us, um, despite what we might have seen about it being all about a power dynamic or about it being 
all about, uh, you know, establishing some kind of like dominance or sexual relationship or whatever. Nathaniel is like feeling very real emotions here that are connecting him to things from the past and to see, you know, him go, go back to both of his parents who just, who just blatantly shut him down right away as, as I think we probably all expected them to right at the beginning. Um, it was a little jarring, I think seeing, seeing Nathaniel go do that, something that I would not have expected season two Nathaniel to do ever. Yeah, and like during the scene, like the father is very explicitly like, we do not talk about these sort of things. We do not talk about emotions. Is like which we've kind of seen before to a certain degree, and like Nathaniel's definitely been spouting that line to George, and George is trying to help him deal with the, his feelings towards Rebecca and everything. But this just gives you like even more insight into okay, it's not just like his dad being we're manly men and men don't talk about emotions. So this is not just the men in the family who don't talk about the emotions. It's like the entire family do not talk about the emotions. They do not talk about anything. They do not reflect on anything. They just shut it all away and stuff it all down. And are they, again, like the waspiest wasps who've ever wasped, basically. It's just like, like it's heartbreaking to, to see like, as like, like the cracks are starting to show and Nathaniel's actually like, like trying to deal with the pain that he's like, has repressed for all this time and the his parents are not helping him so yeah it's a it's a great scene a great nice scene but also i do i do also want to call out one one funny bit of it where they're talking about dinner and their housekeeper comes in to a uh, announce dinner's ready and nathaniel goes out not now bernice so it's not denise this time it's bernice but i really like the uh the uh, him echoing paula with the yelling at the at the help I, uh, so not not a great look, but it made me laugh that a uh, Bernice and Denise were just getting a lot of crap this episode for just trying to do their jobs. Yeah, that made me laugh too. Then we see back to a scene with Valencia. She is live again. She's thanking a cosmetics company for these free lip glosses. Um, and Heather comes in and grabs the camera and and stops it. And she says, "You're using your friend's crisis to get swag." I mean, not to judge at all, but what you're doing is pathetic and vain and stupid and cringy and trendy and selfish and basic. Not to judge, but it's all those things. I mean, she's not wrong. Yeah. It's kind of, I kind of want to like drop the white Josh. Does that sound judgy good gif right here? You know? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, and Valencia gasps. She's like, you think this is about me? This has transcended any one person. Which is so interesting because really this is supposed to be about Rebecca, but it's transcended her. Um, and Valencia is saying sharing her courage is inspiring an entire movement. People want to feel inspired, not sad. Yeah, that's the entire problem. And Heather tells Valencia, you're full of it. You're full of crap. And Valencia says, no, I'm full of something else. That's when we get the second song of this episode, which is called This Is My Movement. And I just know, I just know we have one person here who is going to absolutely love this song. And so I want to start with Todd here. <sighs> Why? Why one extended poop joke? Just one long extended poop joke. It, did, did we Do we have to? Do we really have to? Seriously? Seriously, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, we had to do this? Seriously. Yeah, those are my thoughts. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, obviously, I was watching this and I was like, wow, I can't imagine how 
much Todd hates this. Like, I know he hates <laughs> it, but I feel like I can't even imagine the level to which he hates it. But I I agree. I don't like this. It It's too much. It's one joke, you know, the basis of the song. And it's a great performance. Like, Fonsi's singing is great. But, like, the lyrics make it so that I would never listen to this unless I'm watching this episode. And honestly, in the future, I'd probably skip it. <laughs> Wow, I'm. I guess I'm coming in higher than both of you, kind of, but like not really. <laughs> um, I didn't. Uh, admittedly, I don't mind when CXG takes like one joke and makes it into a whole song. Uh, it's something we've seen before. This was certainly not the most effective usage of that particular technique. Um, my chief complaint, as with a lot of these songs here, why are we fake playing the piano? That's what, what I we, wrote. What are we doing? I said what? the fake piano playing. I may be on Adam's side here because it's so obviously fake and it's What's so bad. The purpose? I get it. We gain nothing from her fake playing the piano. It does literally nothing. I don't understand. I think it's meant to evoke a certain type of music video performer who does that sort of thing. So I I see the purpose of it, but I agree it's really bad. It's like really it's the thing like. Other times you complain about people fake playing the instruments. It hasn't really like like bothered me that much. But this is one where I'm just like, oh wow, that was bad. That was because really it's bad. like she's trying to fake it badly. Like yeah. at least with the guitar, it like sort of felt like she was trying. I don't know why Valencia always fake plays an instrument when I'm on this show, uh, <laughs> but it's like at least with the guitar, it like sort of felt like she was trying to pretend like she was playing it. The piano, she was not even trying like someone who knows how to play the piano spend two seconds with her and be like no you actually have to press the keys down to fake play the piano like it's like very flat-handed like tapping of the piano thing she was doing i don't get it just like why even show her hands uh yep. i i do hear your point todd it was very like the the um like what is it rachel Patton and like fight song like that type of vibe here um and she does she, she does play the piano in that music video now that i'm thinking about it um, I don't know. I it drives me just up the freaking wall whenever people are fake playing instruments in these songs. It drives me crazy. Yeah, I also have like a whole rant um, about this whole like movement thing. It's not about like actually helping people. It's about like this fake online movement thing. And like, um, there's this whole national campaign in Canada uh, that the one of our like big phone companies does called bell let's talk day and everybody will tweet and hashtag and it is like actively harmful to mental health like first of all this company has been like gotten in a huge amount of trouble for like not treating its employees very well and not giving appropriate mental health care to their employees so it's super stupid in that way uh theoretically they donate like a very small percentage of money for every time you use the hashtag uh but it's a hundred percent this massive publicity stunt and it's very much like it's okay to not be okay let's talk about it and i just have such a problem with this lib like hey sometimes people feel sad and that's fine and it's like okay but there is so much more to mental health that than that and like there are so many things we don't talk about, like suicide, like borderline personality disorder, like schizophrenia, like all of these various things. And people are fine with mental health 
as long as it doesn't like actually impact them, the moment that someone else's mental health issue inconveniences them in any type of way, people are no longer fine with it. And so it's just this very like meaningless, I just like, yeah, the whole like, oh, it's okay to not be okay thing just drives me up the wall because people don't actually feel that way. They're like, it's, they're pandering to try to be cool. Uh, anyway, this I'm, I'm done. That's my rant. <laughs> But yeah, Canadians don't support Bell Let's Talk Day. It's really dumb. You should actually just like donate your money instead. Don't pretend like you're doing anything. It just makes people feel good. So then they don't do other things. Apparently I wasn't done. I'm actually done now. <laughs> well, I was expecting a rant about this song, but I didn't know that this would be the topic, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> I don't like that song. <laughs> um. So then we go to Dr. Copian. She's saying uh, to Rebecca, she's glad to see her. She asks how it's going. But just kidding. It's not Rebecca. It's a little switcheroo there. It turns out it's actually Kevin sitting there, of all people. Um, he is talking to Dr. Copian about how he feels happy all the time. And he knows that not everyone feels that way. And that makes him sad. Um <laughs> And Dr. Kopian says, well, that's wonderful, but let's circle back to what you told me last week about your mother shooting your father in cold blood in front of you on your birthday. What a, what a weird thing to just sprinkle in for, for almost no reason <laughs> at all. Uh, it was very jarring, like seeing that open the scene. Uh, and then he's like out, he leaves. He's like, oh, Rebecca almost, you know, killed herself. She can come in. And then he like goes out in the hallway and starts crying. Uh, what a weird choice, I think, to include this. And then like Dr. Okopian doesn't be like, no, I'm setting this hard boundary with you. You have to go. You have to book an appointment with me. Like this is the one time that I'm like, Dr. Okopian, why? Like, no, set those boundaries because Rebecca needs you to set those boundaries for her and she will benefit from you doing so. But it's so frustrating that she's like, okay, fine. Come in and talk to me and let's talk about your diagnosis. Like, no, you need to book an appointment with your therapist. That's very basic. You can't just interrupt her at all times. You are not the only person in the world. You are not the most important person in the world. Other people deserve to like have therapy themselves without you interrupting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously Kevin knows Rebecca, but if it's just some random person and someone bursts in the room in the middle of your therapy session, I that's absolutely horrible. Like, that is so inappropriate. Um, and Kevin is obviously uh, <laughs> has a lot to work on here. He's like, oh, I've moved beyond that. And so he lets Rebecca just come in and take over the session and he leaves. And like Adam said, he goes in the hallway and he's like, why, mommy, why? It's a lot. Um, and Dr. Copian does say, like, you can't just burst in my office, but... And says it's an inappropriate, but Rebecca's like, it's an emergency. I've been misdiagnosed. And she and Paula just sit down. And Paula's there, too. It's not even just like, oh, Rebecca is her patient who has this really urgent issue. Like, Paula is with her, <laughs> her friend. And she's telling Dr. Kobian, or Rebecca is, that I think Dr. Shin tricked you into giving me that diagnosis. By mansplaining to you? Like, it's just... <laughs> And Dr. Kopian asks, did you talk to Dr. Shin? Did you go to group therapy? 
And Rebecca's like, well, no, but give me a new thing, a better thing. Give me the diagnosis you want to give me. <laughs> Paula's, I think Paula's reactions to all of this too is like what annoys me more than anything else. Paula's like just egging her on and encouraging her like, yeah, give her the, give her the better thing. Like it's, you know, something you could just like arbitrarily change and make Rebecca's life better. I, I feel like I expect more of Paula here in this particular uh, set of scenes here at the end at Dr. Copian's office. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like Paula feels a little off throughout a lot of this. I think a lot of it is probably like she sees her like, you know, surrogate daughter hurting and she's like overcorrecting, trying to like help her through this because she wasn't there to help her before. You know, she turned it over to her real mom and then this happened. So I think there's probably maybe some guilt mixed in there and she's trying to do everything she can to, you know, to help Rebecca get what Rebecca wants, but she's not doing it the right way. But it's still, and we'll talk about in like the scene upcoming, but there's the scene upcoming, Paula's this thing that I'm like, it just feels so unpaula. It just feels so out of character to me. Like Paula usually has a better head on her shoulders in a lot of ways than the Paula that we're seeing in these scenes. And then we get a scene with Josh. He is at Sugarface, the donut place with Hector. Um, he's asking what Rebecca is saying about him. Um, and Hector's like, I haven't heard your name once. And I've been at the hospital like for days. And Josh is like, I can take it. I'm responsible for someone almost taking their life. And so Hector is saying from what I picked up in the hospital and I'm in the inner circle, like I provide snacks, advice, and an outlet for Valencia's aggression. <laughs> um, he <laughs> tells Josh like being suicidal has nothing to do with any one life event or person. It's more of a general mental illness thing. And Josh is saying, but Rebecca has been obsessed with me since she was 16. I ruined her. And then, uh, I don't even want to repeat this, but Josh says suicide is a sin and I almost sin assisted. This is on me, man. I got to do something. See her make things right. And Hector's like, or you don't. And they go back and forth like, oh, but I do. But you don't. Um, I, I there's, there's a lot happening in this scene. Um, uh, just a slight little Catholic moment here as, as you know, as Josh is presenting that perspective here of suicide being a sin. In, in the Catholic Church, uh, by doctrine, a sin is a sin is a sin. All sins are equal with one exception. That is suicide. Um, according to the Catholic Church, suicide is, is the worst sin that you can commit and it is not something you can come back from. And so... Uh, not pushing that narrative on anyone or anything like that. Just like that is the context under which Josh, we are led to believe Josh was raised and is iterating here. And it is admittedly not an opinion that is uncommon among those in the church. The other thing I want to say here on this scene, I was pretty out on Hector previously. I'm not going to say that I'm like fully on board, but, but the comments that I made before were, we had not seen anything to suggest that Hector was not what we had seen him the first two seasons. We had, we had not seen enough, in my opinion, to see any kind of change in Hector. I think, in my opinion, this is where that change happens. Because this Hector that is saying these things to Josh in the emotionally intelligent and 
attainable way so that even Josh can understand them is more, is more than we have seen of Hector by a factor that is almost unfathomable compared to where we had seen him in season one and the vast majority of season two. So, so, so good on Hector, I will say in this scene, I'm, you know, uh, certainly more coming around there because we are finally seeing a character that the writers decided to give some love to, as opposed to everything we had seen previously. Yeah, my note for this scene is just Josh sucks with many, <laughs> many letters. Uh, I know. I was, I was like, there was like six U's, five C's, <laughs> seven K's, and a ton of S's. Yeah. All capitalized. Yeah. yeah. All and like it's a it's a fair point that I think um it it's really interesting that it's from this kind of um thought thinking of suicide as a sin from the Catholic church that we get this language about committing suicide and it's really harmful. And it's something that we really um, talk about that, like uh, die by suicide, attempted suicide. Like these are the like appropriate terminology to use because it does portray this like level of um, yeah. Like committing suicide is this really kind of harmful uh, placing blame and, and uh, very like problematic framing that, uh, is used. And so it's, it's really, I, I don't, I understand why Josh having been raised in this environment would have this opinion. It still doesn't mean it's not a terrible opinion and really harmful. And Josh is very much centering himself in this moment. And like, it's not about you, dude. And just like Hector is so great in this scene for being, for explaining that to him and saying like, no, you don't need to like you have a bad opinion about this and you, it's not about you and there's more to it than that and meanwhile like here are the ways that i'm trying to help by bringing snacks and you know being an outlet for valencia's aggression is probably a really needed thing at this moment uh and i just to like spoil my truly happy like hector's gonna get it for this scene alone because i think he's just so great in this scene wow i agree this is a great scene for hector and a, an absolutely horrific scene for josh maybe maybe the time in the series so far that I have disliked him the most. I just can't believe how self-centered he is being about this situation. It's such a serious situation and he is making it all about himself. Just the line sin assisted. He's worried about his role in this because of what that will do to his own standing in either in the church or whatever relationship that he has with that I, I, it's just so horrible i just i i hate it so much yeah i i'm hard pressed to say it's my least favorite josh moment uh but it's up there it is definitely up there everything with him since since he like went to join the priesthood and left rebecca at the altar this has been like a horrible horrible season for josh so far he's done so many horrible things so many self-centered things and just justifies everything that he does and but this yeah this is it's awful it's such such a horrible look for him so we go back to dr Copian. she's telling rebecca it sounds like you don't have accurate information i'm suspecting you looked it up online just like dr shin said not to um but she says let's look at the checklist for bpd let's see if any of it resonates with you and Paula says, like, okay, let's hear it. Let's see what we think. I'm right next to you. Dr. Copian's like, yes, you are. Which is a whole other thing we should talk about. <laughs> yeah, Preach, you should. 
Yeah. And Rebecca and Paula just like totally shrugged that off. Like, eh, whatever. <laughs> um, and that's when Dr. Kovian says someone needs five of these nine tendencies here to, you know, be diagnosed with BPD. And she's going to name these nine tendencies. And for each one, we see a flashback of Rebecca from the show of something that demonstrates this. Um, so the list is severe mood swings, profound fear of abandonment, instability in relationships, unstable sense of identity, paranoia or dissociative episodes, excessive and frequent anger, feelings of emptiness, impulsive behavior, and recurring suicide threats or attempts. Um, and again, we see a little scene for each of these moments of something Rebecca has done that fits into this tendency. And after hearing all this, Rebecca says, oh my gosh. And Paula says, I know that's so not you, right? And Rebecca's like, all of those things are me. I don't have five. I have nine. Paula, that response from Paula drives me nuts. I think, uh, it doesn't feel it just doesn't feel like it's Paula to me in that moment. Cause like Rebecca is able to come to this realization afterwards of like, I'm all mine of those things. And it just, it, it doesn't sit right to me that Paula is like immediately objecting that you're in none of those, especially because Paula was involved in a lot of those flashback scenes that we saw. She was like on the receiving end of those. Um, so the Paula response annoyed me, but the respect, uh, Oh my God, Rebecca response, uh, I loved. I thought it was like actually an an amazing moment of of self realization for Rebecca here, being like, "I'm I'm all nine of those." Yeah, I think it's this moment of. I do think Paula has this tendency to, and not even this is way too nice. Paula Paula wants to be able to fix things, right? She wants to be everything for the people who need her, and this is a thing that she can't help with, that she can't fix for Rebecca, and so I think that that's potentially part of the denial here of you know this is her best friend she's trying to lift her up and so hearing this list of things Paula's like that's not my best friend because like these are all things that are difficult and you know I can't solve those and I can't be the fix here so I, I like I sort of get it in that sense but it is very delusional on Paula's part like you know like if you're not at a point with your friend where you could be like, yeah, occasionally you might not be the best person at, in all of these times. Like it's not a very accurate friendship in that way. Paula definitely has like blinders on about Rebecca, but I think we know that she's put up with so much over the last two and a half seasons. So yeah, I don't know. But I, this scene was just a bit frustrating for me because like Dr. Shin should have had this conversation with Rebecca before. Uh, and I do have like a tiny gripe with this, just in the sense that uh, Dr. Okopian is basically reading the diagnostic manual to Rebecca. And she's like, yep, I have all these things. And like, it's not really how diagnoses work. You don't tend to be like, oh, yeah, I am the complete perfect picture of borderline personality disorder, right? Like there's lots of variables. People might have some and not others. And um so it is just kind of a very like myopic view of BPD, but I think, you know, you can't, it, it's one of those things where it's about representation, right? And it's like, okay, this is one representation of BPD. And if we had more, then it, they could be more nuanced, but this is the only one. So it's not nuanced at all, which is, which is fine. Um, but it is kind of a, 
maybe important to understand that like not everyone with BPD will be like Rebecca and have all nine things because, and it doesn't make, uh, Rebecca doesn't have like more BPD or she doesn't have like harder BPD or anything. Like none of that is like, there's not degrees to it like that. Um, so just kind of important things to note there. So it did kind of, I, I liked the, it felt very earned in this that we have seen all of these things from Rebecca over the last while. I thought that that was great. Um, and I totally get Rebecca responding of like, Oh wow. I like really have this. Um, but it's just not like necessary to have BPD to be like Rebecca. Yeah. No, I, I don't think that I do. They did at least, you know, like Dr. Kevin does say, you know, you won't necessarily have all of these, the people who have like, you know, a portion of these. So at least they played the service of that. But I do, I do see your point that by having Rebecca embody all of them, it does kind of like put that to the forefront of everyone's thoughts that this is what BPD is. So, yeah. And I also hear what you're saying about Paula. I think for me, like through this whole episode, yeah, Paula, we've always said Paula's not coming off great through a lot of this episode. Paula's doing a lot of stuff like, ah, Paula, we weren't doing this. But this is the only scene that Paula did something that felt false to me. That this is the one thing that Paula did this whole episode that didn't feel like something that I felt like Paula would do. Everything else, yeah, it's awful, but that's Paula being the mama bear and all that sort of stuff. But this, even with her like having the blinders on, it's just like so it's like the blinders are to a degree that she doesn't typically have. It felt like it just felt so out of the blue for her to go like, oh, that's not you at all. So not you. Like, uh, isn't it though? I mean, even just like the, the suicide portion of it. But there are at least like a couple of these things, Paula, that even in your denial, you have to admit that that's, that's Rebecca. If she just said like, well, oh, some of that's you, but that's not, you know, like, I don't know, equivocate a little bit, but that, that's flat out, that's not you at all laughing. It just felt so unearned when the rest of this, this the episode is felt really earned. So it just, it's like, it was setting Rebecca up to be able to, to to have that affirmation. So I get why it's there. But I just don't like the way they set it up. Yeah, definitely. And they go home and Valencia asks how it went. Like, did you get a new diagnosis? And Rebecca says, same one, but it's right. I am officially, medically, certifiably, quote unquote, crazy. And Paula says, no one said anything about crazy. And Rebecca's like, I appreciate the support, everyone, but I'm going to go to bed alone, you know, as opposed to having Paula there. And Paula is obviously upset by this. And Heather says, I'm sure she just needs rest. This is the part, I don't know if you all have encountered this a lot, but whenever I recommended this show to people, people often like cringe at the title of it. Uh, I think because there's so much stigma around this idea of, you know, crazy ex-girlfriend and and the word crazy and this is like this is the scene where i think they you know finally this is the scene that i think makes the name of the show okay and it, and it's hard that it t takes this long to kind of really get it but it's like um they're kind of sort of reclaiming that word rebecca is calling herself this uh with this kind of mental health diagnosis and, and looking at what she's doing. And, uh, but it is tricky. I don't know if you all have <laughs> had to be like, no, no, no. It's like actually a good show talking about mental health. <laughs> like it's okay. I've, I've had to have that conversation with a few people. Yeah. You know, it's definitely in this uh, tier of shows. Like if you can get past the name, it's an, a great show. The, the name does not necessarily reflect 
what the show is. It's like up there with like with like Cougar Town and and something like that. We're like, yeah, no, it was like kind of an unfortunately named show for what the depth of what it is or the quality of what it is. I totally agree. Like, understand what you're saying. Personally, I like the title. I think it and it, and they even start off in season one referencing it in the theme song itself like you know the singers say she's the crazy ex-girlfriend and rebecca's like that's a sexist term they're pushing back on it from the very beginning they're never saying like they're never saying it in a just totally casual way like this is always a very nuanced weighted you know term that they're using and while I agree that that might make it harder to explain to people, oh, no, like, <laughs> this show is great. Like, you don't understand. Um, I think once you see it, I think it's a really fitting title. Or maybe that's just me talking about this every single week and thinking about the title every single week. Like, it's so normal to me now. But no, I absolutely agree. Like, I, I like the title of the show. I do, unfortunately, think it did the show a disservice that there are definitely people who did not watch this show because of the title unfortunately okay. yeah yeah like, yeah yeah i've had to be like no 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 you should still watch it i promise yeah um then we go back to nathaniel he is visiting his mother uh he had waited for his dad to leave and he apologizes for how he acted the other day he said i know you don't like to rehash the past i'm not trying to make you feel bad um i know we don't say this stuff in our house but i love you mom and i want you to know that if you ever need me i'm here and then he goes to leave. Um, and I, first of all, I just love that he is coming here just to talk to his mother, just to say, I love you. I'm here to support you. And he's not there to push her for an answer again. He's just there to say that because he turns around to leave. But uh, she stops him. She says, wait. Um, and then that's when she tells him the actual story. She says, you know, when he was 10, she was going through a hard time. You know, I made a mistake with my sleeping pills and I went away to a place where I learned to sleep without them. There was some sailing there, but not much. <laughs> um, and she says, you're right. I should have told you. And he says, wow, did we just have a talk? She says, I think we did. And they kind of laugh. Um, but she says, don't tell your father. He says, I won't. And she asks if, so she's got roses there, which she had mentioned in their earlier conversation. And she asks if he wants to take some of these uh, to his friend, which I thought was a lovely little note to end the scene on. Yeah, I thought this was sweet. Yeah, this is, it's, it's sweet, but also, you know, again, like it's a little heartbreaking at times. Like the line, you know, I know we don't say this in the, our family, but I love you. And uh, did we just have a conversation? Yes, but don't tell your father. I think those are just like snapshots of like the hell that Nathaniel has grown up in. Like this is the the household where they don't say they love each other and they can't even admit the fact that they had an honest conversation to each other as adults. It's just like talk about a toxic uh, environment to grow up in. It's just like it's really really sad, but it is a really really sweet scene to see Nathaniel and his mom like, you know, reach out to each other. So uh, this this scene made me emotional too. I think this this scene and the other thing we talked about uh, in the hospital, like the two scenes that really got to me uh, this episode. Yeah, and then we have this scene back at Rebecca and Heather's place. So Paula, Valencia, and Heather have all slept on the floor outside of Rebecca's room. 
Um, she opens the door and is surprised to see them. She's trying to walk over to them to go to the bathroom and they like follow her towards the bathroom. And she's like, I can go in there by myself. And she does. And Paula is saying, we have to get used to this. Um, Valencia's worried because she left some nail clippers in the bathroom to which Heather says, you clip your nails at my house. <laughs> Rightfully so. I would be like, wait a second. <laughs> Yeah, Why great. are you doing this here? And um, like bringing your own but, nail clippers? Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I guess that is better than using <laughs> like yeah, I guess so. But like so you, in the house, you and bring the nail clippers with the intention of of doing. Well, it? she said her nails grow uh, very quickly and are uh, thick. So. so. They grow so fast that she needs to bring nail clippers with her when she just goes to a friend's house. <laughs> Is this better or worse than Heather putting her feet on the potatoes? Uh, well, better because at least she's doing it in the bathroom. Agreed. Except not really because you can put your feet on the potatoes. Who cares? They're going to be peeled. No, you can't. But we're not getting into that. We do not have time for that. <laughs> um... So they're trying to calm themselves down, but, you know, Paula knocks on the door to check if Rebecca's okay, but there's no answer because Rebecca is, she's sitting on the toilet and she's got earbuds in and she's listening to the theme song of season three and she's saying what? And this is the exact scene that's in the theme song. Whew. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great. It's like a little, not really an Easter egg because it's very obvious, but I was like, oh, hey, it's the thing. I feel like it's just like one step too confusing for me. I'm like, but, <laughs> but, but, wait. <laughs> I was like confused and then also like I didn't know why this needed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, it happened. Um, yeah. And since Rebecca doesn't answer, Heather, <laughs> Heather just comes up with an axe and Valencia's like, an axe? Like, and Heather's like, this is my intruder axe. I live in a famous murder house. You think I don't have an axe? I love this line. I thought it was so funny. I love this. Heather's been like cool as a cucumber this whole time. Voice of reason. And then suddenly she's like, this is too far. I I love that she just comes out with an axe. She's like, I got to be prepared, you know? <laughs> and... Paula is like, do it, do it. And Heller picks up the axe and is about to swing it at the door when Rebecca opens the door. And obviously she sees Heather with an axe and Valencia and Paula sitting there. That's an alarming sight to come out of the bathroom to. Also, the last episode I was on was the whole they were in the house talking about <laughs> all the deaths that happened and then the like and getting stuck trapped in the bathroom. In the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's so many parallels between your episodes here. Yeah. Um, and Heather says, like, hey, girl, how was your pee? <laughs> In order to kind of calmly talk to Rebecca. And Rebecca's like, what's going on? They say, you didn't answer the door. And she's like, I had earbuds in. And they're all like, oh, right. That makes sense. Earbuds. <laughs> I, I, like, understand where they're coming from. Like, they're so on edge. They're so worried about her. And I also understand where she's coming from, like, I just went to the bathroom and I was wearing earbuds. It was like two minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think from both sides, I can see how they're feeling. And Rebecca says she was in there doing this thing I do to make sense of things, listening to music and watching music videos. I think this is a line that 
just kind of we brush past but i think this is an important thing like this is how rebecca copes a lot of the time she has these musical moments and i like that you know she's really clearly stating that here Um, and that's when we see that Valencia just breaks down in the background. She's sobbing. She says, we thought you were dead. She's saying how she's, she was so scared. Like, I've never had a friend like you before. I almost lost you. And I've been telling all of these people to have hope when really I'm just so sad and so scared. And she asked Rebecca to promise to never do that again. And Rebecca has a really mature response here. She says, I'd love to promise you that, but I can't. I don't want to feel like that again. And now that I know what I have, I hope I can get the help I need. But I don't know what the future holds, so I can't promise anything. Um, and Heather sa says, for someone who's quote-unquote crazy, you sound pretty sane. And Rebecca just apologizes that she put them all through this. Even though, as we saw in one of the early scenes of this episode, like she feels like she's inconveniencing everyone, like burdening everyone. She's embarrassed. But like they are just... They just want to support her. They care about her. She is their friend. It's sweet and complicated, right? Like, I think Valencia's reaction here is very understandable. She's clearly been, like, trying to put on a brave face for hundreds of people on the internet. Uh, but is, you know, deep down scared for her friend. I think it's a very understandable reaction. I think, like... Rebecca being worried about the impact that this has had on her friends is very understandable. And like, while her taking care of herself is certainly the priority and, it, you know, it's hard that they want to are clearly dealing with these emotions and not wanting to burden Rebecca with that while also, you know, processing what happened and how scary and traumatic that is for them as well. It's, it's, it's complicated and you know i thought it was very sweet this whole scene and, and rebecca's very mature in this moment of i don't want to promise something that this is all very new to her and she doesn't know how it's going to go absolutely and right at that moment is when daryl bursts in the room <laughs> and he is he's saying where is she where's my girl i came as soon as i heard and he is so sunburnt it's painful to even look at him as someone who has gotten some bad sunburns daryl looks i i can hardly think about it without cringing it just looks so incredibly painful i feel like um there's an unspoken take here um that I that I dare to even bring up, I I, I do not wear sunscreen. I you know, uh, you know, Daryl doesn't use sunscreen. We've had this conversation before. I know. Um, have I've we? Been, I I don't know. I feel like I've been yelled about it a lot. I have yelled times. at Adam about this before. I yeah, have not on, not on the I'm podcast, but definitely in the Discord. A uh, for PSR, I think this has come up. Yeah, I'm a I'm a very firm believer in the the start of each summer you burn one time. Oh my oh my gosh. You know what? Then... I have heard you say this. And it's <laughs> his opinions ridiculous. are not the official opinions of the one indescribable podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Melissa, because I I said I I was very clear on that, you know, that line I... of thinking. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely harmful. It's absolutely untrue. This is how you get skin cancer, Adam. Wear sunscreen. Yeah, I mean, I, it's also possible. You're a pale like, boy. Where, don't where go outside this? enough, but 
you if know, you're burning ever, you should once wear a year. It's you once a year. You should wear sunscreen like inside during the summer. Yeah, to be honest, that's a wild take in my opinion. <laughs> that's crazy to I wear mean, sunscreen like, inside. Adam, as someone who is very solidly inside. in her mid thirties now. I will mm-hmm. tell you, if I had worn more sunscreen when I was earlier, I would be happier now. You should wear sunscreen. <laughs> I, I, I have wrinkles, even... Adam. I have wrinkles from too much sun exposure. You should wear sunscreen. It is good for think... your skin, like just on like a pure aesthetic basis alone, let alone the cancer risk. Is wear this sunscreen. Like, it's a bad thing. Like do the, 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 I mean, there's like lotion that can. No, that there can, is not. You need to protect your skin. Can, no, there the, is a lotion. It will feel no. like lotion if you like the feel of lotion. I'm, I mean, I, I don't. I am not like, you know. Um. Melissa, I think that was a great message, but I think we got to convince Adam to wear sunscreen outside before we even talk about inside. I think. I know, I know. <laughs> but Adam, it goes I, hand in I, hand with my no camping take, though, because if it's they're very, not related, you don't it's have to wear sunscreen. It's so easy to not wear sunscreen when you don't go camping. No, but, but like, if you go outside, yeah. you need to wear it in the summer. Yeah. Mm. Like theoretically, all year round, but in the summer when it is hot, At, you I'm, live in Missouri. Very small. Yeah, I I do live in Missouri. That is that's true. It, it's sunny there, I assume. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I I would imagine it's sunny as as anywhere else. I was not just saying he doesn't want to wear sunscreen. He's saying that his philosophy is to get a burn at the beginning of the summer, and then he's fine. That is just that's not logical. That's not based in science or facts or anything. Experience. And- experience of getting sunburnt yeah once yeah. a year and anytime day, i get sunburned because of I'm that like, experience you will get melanoma like it, this is not it'll that's a future adam problem adam are you serious <laughs> oh my gosh you try to tell us that you're not that young but <laughs> sentences like this are how i know your prefrontal cortex is not fully formed because if you're pushing that decision making <laughs> off into the future <laughs> i need to laugh at that because damn melissa yeah this is a neuroscience oh. burn because mm. you need- <laughs> literally yeah. many burns uh, adam's yeah. getting burns all over burn. the place mm-hmm. if you don't have the like future thinking decision making to be like hmm, if i wear sunscreen now i won't get cancer later but it's like now future adam will deal with the severe consequences of my poor decision making now wear sunscreen yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of other elements at play here, like the nihilistic idea that the world is already going to be burnt by the time I'm old enough to like deal with this issue, and that there's not going to be anything left that actually makes a meaningful difference. But that's a very pessimistic view to put in a podcast. Here, I was just trying to say you burn once a year and then I mean, you tan. The rest, Adam, of the you song. do realize your risk of burning is only going to increase, right? As the ozone layer thins, and well, know, I mean, not if I stay inside. <laughs> I think he's saying the whole world will burn up, so it doesn't really matter if he's sunburnt. But I, I mean, I agree. But in that case, like, don't save any money and, uh, like, there's a you know, do whatever drugs you want and like I don't know. There's a lot of things you can do yeah, that it like doesn't, the sunscreen thing does not apply to that. Like, you have to think practically. And also, getting sunburnt. I'm sorry, I cannot let this go. Getting sunburnt, <laughs> even if it's just no one that one experience really no and it didn't can. affect you long term. Even that is so unpleasant and painful that why would you even want to go through that? Even if it doesn't affect you long term, which it does. 
I I have no like scientific logical answer that you're looking for here. There's just not one there. This is just a it's a very simple like this is this is Adam. You know what I mean? No, you are Adam. You get in control of who Adam is and what he does. That is you. This is not some like outside force that's like, oh, what can I do about it? I have no control in this. This is so dumb. I <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Have we Adam. all gotten our fill of yelling at Adam yet? Or no, God, Adam, we're gonna be friends. You have to wear sunscreen. I'm sorry. It's just you have to. Yeah, Adam, we are gonna be worried about you if you don't wear sunscreen. This whole like connection. Oh, to you episode, can't build. Right? No, you can't build the guilt through it here. I'm that's, doing that. I'm doing that now. No, if it gets you to wear sunscreen, like I will cheating. worry about you until you agree to wear sunscreen. That feels like cheating. I feel that like cheating, cheating here look, with look, that. Adam, the facts aren't c- persuading you. We gotta go to the guilt. Uh, tug on those emotional strings baby we'll just (laughs) (laughs) we'll just have to check in uh next episode to see how the sunscreen is going we'll see because you're annoyingly stubborn but i am more stubborn (laughs) oh oh, oh. i think she's more stubborn uh over under number of times i apply sunscreen to myself throughout the entirety of the new york trip which lasts roughly 10 days like i know you're not going to do it at all which is (laughs) 0.5 is getting me more irate in this moment Okay. Todd, well, can you can you like be on sunscreen duty? Can you help just, Adam like, with him as he walks by you, just like rogue sunscreening? <laughs> you told me I walk by and he. <laughs> yeah, just get like a spray. You know, you can get a spray if you don't like sunscreen the him in his sleep for all I care in this room you're not caring. <laughs> like, this is why I have to build the protective pillow wall. <laughs> Speaking of sunscreen. Speaking of sunscreen, unfortunately, Daryl did not have time to get that. He obviously wanted to rush to see Rebecca. Uh, he said, the one second I got service, I saw the messages. I borrowed a tank top from Y. Joe, had to borrow a convertible, and he drove three hours in the sun. And he had a hat, but it fell off after five minutes. And Daryl was so question. worried. <laughs> yeah. Does this mean Daryl didn't bring a shirt with him on his vacation? I was about to ask the same thing, Melissa. It was like it was like very odd that he had to borrow something from Y Joe. I didn't even think uh, about that. But I mean, you know more about yurts than the rest of us. Is, is it common? To just- <laughs> I was gonna say that to me is like part of my interpretation of why I immediately said no to a yurt because Daryl is like coming in sans shirts from the yurt. I mean, like maybe yurt. it's a maybe yurt it's a sex yurt, but I I I don't think all yurts require you to not bring clothing. I think that's a very specific type of Maybe. Is there normally a- like a sexy element of camp? Is that a is that a common element? No, but like I don't know. Like sex in a canoe is like a Canadian joke. In that it's in- funny when it happens or it's like a like a like it's a thing that I think probably Canadians talk about doing more than they actually do it. But like, I wouldn't say that no Canadian has never had sex in a canoe. Well, I mean, that would be, you know, that'd be a crazy statement. I feel like the, we don't need to get into the logistics of that, but I'm, I'd be concerned. I mean, about, when the boats are rocking, you know, don't, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Speaking of sex on a canoe. Can't believe you. <laughs> you would do that to me. How, how long have you known him, Lindy? Oh, come on. You you can believe it. You can believe I it. I believe it. I wasn't even the one that said sex on the canoe. Why am I getting blasted here? Set it up I mostly the- just enjoy that like Adam thinks that he could like out scandalize me, and I just like to ensure I reassure him that that is not the case. But I still get the blame for it from Lindy. That's the that's the Melissa part. didn't give it to me as a way to transition back to the episode. That's right. what you did. That's the problem. How am I supposed to do that? I can come up with these creative things, but that was that was too much. That was okay, too well, far speaking out. of speaking of sex on a canoe, sometimes canoes go over water, and you know what is sometimes in water? Alligators. Oh, that is, we're no. skipping like two scenes already. We, Adam, come you, on. Listen, That's I not just, where I, we are. I, I, I just, you know, I had to run with it there. See, Adam Adam can't do it either. Okay. I mean, anyway. speaking of sex in a canoe as one mode of transportation, Daryl drove a convertible all the way back to go see Rebecca. The problem with that is I already said that. So here's the thing. Oh my gosh, Lindy. Okay. Yeah, so she's, she's, right. she's very picky. She's very picky. <laughs> I'm trying this to save time. <laughs> Yep, by see? not repeating things, but I'm also trying to cover the whole episode by not skipping things. Anyway, I mean, you already said no breaks this episode. We already had to take a break. Admittedly, yeah. not just the bias. <laughs> Speaking of sex like a new, Daryl also feels very uncomfortable uh, with his sunburn. Okay, we're get yeah, we're getting that. Yes, and there's he- something here. We're workshopping. <laughs> no, we're getting there. We're getting there. He's clearly uncomfortable, but what he says is, "Um, I had to come see my girl. Who needs skin?" <laughs> You do, Daryl. You do. Also, later he'll ask what happens when it's blistering. That's called a second degree burn, Daryl. That's actually really bad. It's not good. Oh my gosh. And moving on from the sunburn, because it's so painful to me. um, Rebecca apologizes for what she said to him. She says it was all terrible. I didn't mean any of that stuff. And, you know, they hug. The whole group hugs. And right as this is happening, Josh comes walking up to the house. He's holding a dog. Presumably, he was going to give Rebecca a dog as a present. Yeah, because that's what she needs right now. Come on, Josh. Yeah, she needs to take care of a pet. That's a great thing for her to do. (laughs) Don't give pets as gifts literally ever. Never do it. It's always bad. Easter is not a good time to give someone a bunny. Christmas is not a good time to give someone a pet. Like, get a pet because you are capable of taking care of a pet. It's a good time to do so. And you find one that's the right fit for you and your family. Do not give pets as gifts, ever. Yeah, so this is a bad idea already. It's a bad idea on so many levels. But Josh is walking up. And as he's doing that, no one has seen him yet. And But Daryl is saying, oh, when I get my hands on that jerk, Josh Chan, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. I could murder him right now. And Josh hears this and is taken aback. And Heather's like, I do have an axe. Um, this was a great, it, you know, if you've got an axe, why not flaunt it, right? You got to offer it up. I mean, it's a valuable resource. Um, and Rebecca jumps in and she says, this is not Josh's fault. It feels weird to even say his name. I haven't thought about him in days. It's almost like Josh is irrelevant. It's not about Josh. Maybe it never was. I mean, this is such a profound moment for Rebecca. I mean, everything she's ever said in the series up to this point is it's about Josh. It is about Josh and denying that it's not and not seeing that 
you know, she has problems she needs to work on within herself and focusing so much on Josh and to have her say this is such a powerful moment in the show. Absolutely loved it from Rebecca here. I absolutely loved it. I did think the line from Dara was uh, a bit far. Uh, maybe we don't just like talk about murdering Josh, but uh, certainly love the response here. Josh is irrelevant. I think that's a very powerful sentiment for Rebecca to be, uh, you know, echoing here at the end of the episode. And, you know, Josh hears all of this and just walks away. I mean, obviously he should not be coming in here in the first place. And after hearing everything he just heard, it's definitely not his place right now. So he leaves. Um, first smart thing he did this episode. That's true. <laughs> I do I do have to wonder which he's more upset about. The fact that people are talking about murdering him. The fact that Rebecca said he was irrelevant. Which do you think hurt him more? Oh, the irrelevant one. Definitely the irrelevant one. Which I is just... so frustrating. That like Rebecca's saying this very truthful thing. That like, hey, my suicide is not about you. And like... It's good that I haven't thought about you in these days. I should be happy for Rebecca about that. He's the one that made this, told her he didn't want her around. Like, I don't, anyway, he's so annoying. I hate him so much. Yeah, I just, and I agree. I just felt it was like worth saying that, like, he was bothered more by the fact that Rebecca wasn't upset about him than was about the fact that all these people hated him. Totally. You know, it's just, yeah, Josh. <laughs> This is the worst Josh episode so far. I, like I said, I've never hated him to this level as I did in this episode. And then we see Rebecca, a very short scene of Rebecca with Dr. Shin. Um, she says she's ready to start group therapy. She kind of makes a joke about how, oh, all these people are going to be terrible, right? <laughs> um, but they head, head to the group therapy. Then we have one final scene of this episode. Uh, so Rebecca is returning home after the therapy and Nathaniel is at her door. He's leaving a bouquet of roses there and he says, oh, you weren't supposed to see me. And but obviously now that she's here, you know, he hands her the roses. She says they're beautiful and there's a note with them, which she reads and she says it's really sweet. And he says he means it. And, you know, he's he's there for her. And she says that means a lot. I think it was just a heartfelt. Yeah, I don't know exactly what it said, but obviously heartfelt about how. I mean, can we imagine something like his conversation with his mother? Like, he probably didn't say I love you, but he said, like, I'm here for you. If you need me, you know, I don't know. Sincerely, Nathaniel Plimpton. (laughs) Nathaniel J. Plimpton III, Esquire. Esquire, yeah. Yeah. I do like the fact that we we don't don't hear the note or or, or see the note. I, I I like the fact that it's just like just seeing Rebecca's uh, reaction is kind of like the the best thing. It's like we don't need to know what like like they said. And I also like the fact that Daniel came up to like leave the flowers a note and was trying to leave without imposing on her. He wasn't being like Josh, like I have to talk to her, I have to be there. He was like trying to do something thoughtful, but giving her her space and not intruding. And uh, it's just like. Like Adam mentioned earlier, like the, this is something we would never expect from the Nathaniel that we met, you know, over halfway through season two. This is a completely different Nathaniel at this point. Uh, he is 
become a, he's becoming a different person, a better person. And I really, I love, I love this, uh, this scene. I loved that aspect of it as well. Like he wasn't there for himself. He was there for Rebecca. He wasn't expecting to run into her. He just wanted to leave her those flowers. This wasn't about making himself feel better or anything. Just the total opposite of Josh in this episode who made it all about himself. Nathaniel just really wanted to support Rebecca and finally found a way that he could express his feelings. Um, and Rebecca is, says, oh, like, I got to get inside. You know, I was at group therapy. I got this workbook and I love workbooks. And Nathaniel says, you like to work? That's the first I've heard of it. Which was such a great, like, gentle, like, making fun of her. But mm-hmm. And they both yeah. laugh in that moment. And he says, I brought this. And he pulls out the stuffed alligator. And she says, I was wondering where Ruth Gator Ginsburg went. Um, and she takes it and he says, I'm glad you're home. And he walks away and kind of smiles at her as he walks away. I totally thought Rebecca was going to like wave goodbye with the alligator arm when this happened. <laughs> that would have been so cute. <laughs> right? Yeah, I didn't think that, but now I wish it had happened. But it's just a really sweet note to end the episode on, and that's our episode. That's the episode! Season 3, episode 6 of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, uh, cover here at One Indescribable Podcast. Um, some, I, I think some pretty big ups for some characters and some ridiculously huge downs, <clears throat> Josh, uh, for some other characters. Um but we're not done here today. We still have a couple things to do here on the podcast. The first, of course, is to make our way into Todd's Game Corner. Todd's Game Corner. Todd's Game Todd's Game Corner. Um, the way that we're recording these, I know Melissa's behind on the podcast, but the way that we're recording these, we have like stockpiled because we are about to be gone for a while. And so uh, this being our sixth episode, Melissa, you, you do not know the scores yet. Lindy came out strong in the first episode, got the win, opened up one to zero, and unfortunately has not been able to find a win since then. The score is currently four to one in favor of me. If it helps at all, all of the guests still have continued to pick Lindy, even when she was ahead uh, throughout the course of the season. But you, Melissa, have a choice to make here. Uh, your third time on the podcast, so you're well accustomed to making this choice um, as to which team you'd like to join, Team Adam or Team Lindy. So am I to understand that nobody has ever picked Team Adam in the history of the podcast? No. Austin Picked Adam last season. Austin has Austin is the lone guest that has once picked me. (laughs) Uh, so Adam gave me a little bit of a sob story, and so I promised him that I would pick Team Adam. And so, despite the fact that he has not properly done what I asked of him to do and throw a bunch of games leading up to my being on to make this decision (laughs) much easier for me, I will still hold up my end of the bargain and choose Team Adam. Wait, what about? Hashtag girl group forever. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Lindy. What? 
What about our friend Tokyo? There's a lot of guilt that's happening right now, but my heart is very full. (laughs) Because I was getting guilt before, and now there's guilt now, and I don't... (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of guilt to go around. Todd, you have very well orchestrated this to yourself, that you never have to feel this guilt, and I don't... I I see what you're doing, and, uh, you know, hats off, man. (laughs) I tell you, I tried to keep them from having to feel guilt anywhere. I tried to get them to be cooperative, and they wouldn't have it. So so just to set some numbers, uh, 12 times Lindy has had someone pick her team. This is now my second. Melissa, welcome to Team Adam. Yeah, Adam, you're going to have to turn the bloating way down, though, because I will flip on a dime here. (laughs) I already feel badly enough. We have had people say that they're going to... And he's winning four to one. Lindy. (laughs) Lindy, if it helps, we have had people come on and say they will pick Team Adam to sabotage my team. Yeah, I might, I might have been one of them. I'm hoping that that is not what's happening here, uh, but we'll have to wait and see here because, Todd, what do you have for us today? All right, uh, so I did struggle a little bit trying to decide what to do for a game for this episode because so much of it is just focused on, like, the diagnosis and everything. I definitely did not, did not want to do a game about, like, mental health things. Wait, uh, are we are we doing psychiatry diagnoses as a game? Because uh, No, yes, no. Hey, <laughs> no. No, no. That uh, is a game, but in just for me to show off that I... Yeah, no, no. I I figured that would give whoever's team you're on an unfair advantage uh, this time around. And so, but one of the, like, one of my favorite things in this episode was Nathaniel's uh, journey in this episode. But a lot of what he did, like, was kind of expressed through him trying to buy a bouquet and the final thing with the bouquet of flowers at the end. So today's quiz is going to be related to flowers. Or plants in general, actually. Uh, so it's going to be the the typical Todd names four things, one of which he came up with type games. So uh, let's see. We are on episode six. So that means that Adam is going first. Uh, so team Adam will be going first. So as okay. always, I'll list four options. A, uh, if you get it right, you get two points. If you get it wrong, your opponent gets a chance to seal for one point. We have four questions. If we're tied at the end of four questions, then we'll have a tiebreaker question. And Todd, I just want to clarify, each of these are flowers that have played the role of a superhero in a horror <laughs> film one time in a comic <laughs> from the 80s. Is that right? Uh, pretty close, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know me so well. I mean, yeah. <laughs> All right. So a uh, so the first couple of questions are going to be movie related. So uh, of course, first, yeah. So the first question is going to be movies that are set in or are very uh, related to a a flower shop. So the setting is something to do with like a, a flower shop. And so your options are a. Bed of Roses, B, A Christmas Arrangement, C, Daisy's Chain, and D, Flower Girl. I also should say these are also all rom-coms uh, set in, around flower shops. So. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say it before, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty obvious. a lot of murder mysteries happening in flower shops. There was. I did um, find there is like the, the flower shop murder mysteries as I was trying to Google flower shop movies oh. that it kept like the first 20 results were flower shop mis- murder mysteries movies. I'm like, no, hey, uh, that's like the actual name of like a TV miniseries type thing. So okay. anyway, I have never heard of any of these. No, neither have I. Unsurprising. 
Can you read the, just the names of them one more time? Sure. Bed of Roses, A Christmas Arrangement, Daisy's Chain, Flower Girl. Huh. I don't think Todd is making up Bed of Roses. Wow. Uh, do you? Have, I mean, do you have any any thoughts or feelings here? I think last time you were on, you were the Todd Whisperer. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, this is how you play the game: is that you think of like which one Todd would come up with. I'm thinking it's one of the last two. Christmas arrangement feels like a like a hundred percent. That's a Hallmark movie. Um, so my guess is C, but I don't. Is that Daisy Chain? Because that was what yeah. my gut was as well. Yeah. I'm down with that. Okay. I'm I'm good. Uh, let's lock in Daisy Chain. And Adam is on the board with two points. I mean, Ad- and Melissa. And I, Melissa, I, yeah, I said Melissa. it. I said C. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Team Adam is on the board with two points. How's that? It's not better. My- <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lindy. Uh, your category is also going to be movies, but it is going to be, of course horror movies there it is yeah so a uh three of these are actual horror movies that revolve around killer plants of some sort and one is one that i made up so a corpse flower b seeds of destruction c treevenge d woodshock okay can you repeat all of those sure (laughs) So we have A, Corpse Flower, B, Seeds of Destruction, C, Treevenge, D, Woodshock. Um, just like the first group, I've never heard of a single one of these, so that's not going to help. Um, just like always, Adam got his question right, so the pressure's on to get this right. Can't describe to everyone how annoying it is that Adam gets everything right. It just <laughs> constantly frustrates me. I feel me. for you, Lindy. Do you? Because if you're really I, good, I will. Just... Okay, y'all read some text messages. I will air to you the sob story that I got from Adam that nobody <laughs> ever picks him. So you know, let it be known, Lindy. You're saying Adam. That was Melissa's guess. Melissa was the one that that said C. But you felt that way too. It wasn't like you were feeling something else. Well, well, yeah. I mean, Melissa was right. So. <laughs> Adam, so... what did I say about gloating? You're on very thin ice. It's impossible for him not to gloat about this. I'll tell you that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He sent you a written sob story. Is that what happened? I want to read it. I'd really <laughs> like. Not in so many words, but it was it was a little bit sad. Well, would love to see that. I need to pick an answer. I have no idea. I'm going to go with Seeds of Destruction. Seeds of Destruction is an actual horror movie, which I actually watched for the Renat Movie Watching Challenge that Megan Librarian came up with this year. So, uh, Team Adam, uh, Adam and Melissa, you now get a chance to try to steal for one point. Corpse Flower is a D&D monster. I don't know if that changes anything. Corpse Flower to me just feels like 
someone has to have made that movie. Like, it's just so it like his corpse flower is like also a flower. <laughs> like it's it's mm-hmm. named after a real flower. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. I suppose not everything is just strictly DD. Yeah. Uh, Trevenge sounds stupid. I don't think Todd came up with that. Wow. Okay. If he did, I <laughs> if he did after you say that, though. Yikes! Yikes! I like. I'm it, just though. gonna burn every bridge while I get on the podcast, <laughs> and you won't want me back for for season four. So that would leave us with with wood wood shock wood shock, which wood I also shock. kind of. Yeah, I don't okay, know. Okay, that it, also seems to I know it does. <laughs> I know. And so it's one of those where like Todd saw one of those and is like, I'm gonna make something equally stupid for them to have to choose between. Dream or he came or... up with corpse flower, and I'm very disappointed in the horror industry. Who would we rather be disappointed in? <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna be disappointed in Todd either way. It was one of those where like this was stupid. I have to come up with something equally stupid. It's mm-hmm. a job he had to do. Um okay. I think I'm I think I'm down for for uh wood shock. Okay. I think that one seems just stupid enough. Uh give me wood shock. All right. And with that, Melissa is disappointed in the horror movie uh, industry because there's never been a movie called Corpse Flower, which I'm amazed. You'd not believe how many things I Googled that were names of things, but Corpse Flower was not. And I knew that the uh, I knew that the D&D thing was going to come up, but the fact that it was a real flower, I was hoping that I one of you would, would realize that, that, that they're off this thing. But Corpse Flower was... Mm-hmm the one that I came up with. So I should have known Todd was too clever for either of those other two, but I was like, no, he's actually doing the reverse clever thing where he's mm-hmm. trying to come up with a bad one. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, Treevenge is about killer Christmas trees and it is gloriously stupid. I have not seen it. <gasps> um, all right. So next up uh, is of course, plant related comic book characters. There we go. It is a talk <laughs> yeah, quiz. Here we go. Yeah. So, uh, so again, uh, Adam, Melissa, I have four characters, three of which I made up, and these are all ones whose names are basically puns, plant characters with pun names. So they're all going to be pretty stupid. So, uh, so first of all, we have Bush Leaguer. Next, we have Chlorophyllus. Then we have El Seed, and last we have Mistree. Mistree. Like mystery, yes. oh my god! Can you, what else is that? Like literally, E L E L S E D. Okay, uh, a pun on the uh, Castilian uh, uh, knight El Cid, C I D. I mean, chlorophyllus is the best one. It is, <laughs> but so. I think it's like it's ridiculous. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I've I've no gut here. What was the first one again? Bush leaguer. Bush leaguer, right, yeah. I would say probably not Bush leaguer. No, yeah. I'm down for chlorophyllus because I really want Todd to have exactly come right? up That's with what it. <laughs> uh all right, let's lock in chlorophyllus. 
and Todd wishes he came up with the chlorophyll too because it is genius. And I <laughs> came across that I'm like, okay, that one's going on the quiz. I'm building the quiz around this because chlorophyll is amazing. Uh, but no, I did not come up with that. So Lindy, you have three options to take from two to possibly steal. So we have Bush Leaguer, El Seed, and Ms. Tree. I go with Ms. Tree. Unfortunately, there have been multiple characters who have gone by the name Mystery. Uh, Bushleaguer is the one that I came up with. So, wow. yeah. Dang. I know. And it's another one like a, uh, I was struggling to find a uh, plant pun names that had not been used. <laughs> so, mm. I feel like Mystery has to be a drag queen too. Wouldn't surprise me. Oh, yeah. All right, so the score is two to nothing. So, Lindy, in order to have a chance at winning, you need to get this one right. So, this is also comic book characters. So, our options are A, Chlorophyll Kid, B, The Floral Prince, C, Green Thumb, or D, Nature Girl. Well, all comes down to this. So, of course, I'm going to get it wrong. I have no confidence in myself. You know that. <laughs> I've lost it all. I mean, in the quizzes. In life, I have it. But in these quizzes, I do not. Um, floral Prince. And we have a tie game, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Oh, hey. Okay. Now we're cooking. Woohoo. All right, so I had now, no ideas on that one. Yeah, I have no clue. Scores now two to two. So actually, to I was pretty sure it wasn't Chlorophyll Kid. Yes, Chlorophyll <laughs> <laughs> Kid, member of the Legion of Substitute Heroes. Uh, so yeah, uh, so now we're going to our tiebreaker. So our tiebreaker is going to be a nice number guessing game. Uh, whoever's closest without going over wins if you're both or whoever's closest wins if you're both the same amount away the one who's closest without going over wins wait we're not uh, just so, naming as many plants as we can like that first no. time i was on no <laughs> heavens no uh, i know you want to keep the i know you want to get the, the record again for the longest episode but i would be pretty bad at that but i think melissa would be pretty good at it <laughs> just like naming plants just naming plants maybe i do like go outside <laughs> so yeah. she has an edge she has yeah. an edge over yeah, the three of yeah. us in, inside kids uh, yeah. so uh, this is going to be based off of a 2019 a, a survey of the annual revenue and floors of cut flowers and basically it's going to be in millions of dollars so uh, whatever number you give me is like you know x millions of dollars uh, how much money did florists in the US make in 2019 off of tulips which is, I will say, was the a, uh, the highest grossing flower in 2019 from Flores Tulips. So give me a number of, in millions of dollars, uh, what was the revenue in the U.S. for Tulips? And Lindy, if you want to send me your guests, and after you send me your guests, then Adam and Melissa can talk out what they want their guests to be. Oh, boy. <laughs> I have, to be clear, I... <laughs> I have no frame of reference here. It's just like, how many millions? Okay, sure. 
Yep. I it's, mean, you know, as opposed be... to our like extensive frame of reference that we have. <laughs> I'm actually a tulip salesman, so we have a huge edge here. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, have I occasionally bought tulips. That is my frame of reference. <laughs> I could not tell you what a tulip looks like. So. Oh no, Adam. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your advantage, Lindy. It's all yours. <laughs> Adam doesn't know what a tulip is. <laughs> yeah, that's embarrassing. Yeah, super embarrassing. I mean, We're he's already admitted he doesn't know the difference between a tiger and a lion. I don't know that a. Uh, I mean, he doesn't this know might be worse. Like. I gotta be honest. Mm -hmm. I'm still going with tiger lion worse, but that's that's. Yeah, but like, not. You don't know what it. Oh, okay, it's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still thinking. <laughs> I know Todd was about to say something, but I was just trying to, to fill the science, science a little bit. Although otherwise, we could probably just like cut most of this thinking time. Should we out. filibuster and just like talk about plants some more? No. Yeah, I was surprised that no one had heard a bed of roses. It was like I'm not super surprised. But I thought if any of the movies anyone heard of that it was like a, a Christian Slater movie. Uh, so actually, I had like a named person in it. Uh, I had friends who, I, who's a friend whose parents, a uh, or in-laws owned a flower shop called Little Shop of Flowers, and nice. uh, they all hated the movie because it said it was like the most unrealistic look at floors ever. <laughs> oh no! So yeah, it definitely like sounded like a real movie. So I don't know if I'd heard of it before, but at least it was like, oh yeah, that that's a real one. Yeah. But. Also, Todd, you said tulip was the number one selling flower. Is that what you said as well? Yeah. Wow. I know. I was surprised by that. I haven't submitted my guess yet, but here's the funny thing. I'm not, I, I, I feel like I'm so far off, but I don't know in which direction. I just, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Understandable. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, I mean, these tiebreakers, they are, could be anything, a uh, largely dumb luck. Oh, yeah. I, I, I hope really this isn't a that. comically stupid guess because I hope no one I hope you don't laugh at me. I feel like I don't know. I mean no, what's the like let's be honest, if I didn't have access to the stats, I would have no no idea what to, to guess here. I would have no concept of millions of dollars in uh, cut flowers revenue. Oh my gosh. I feel like you should give like some other flower as like frame of reference. So it's like I do that. You know. I'm down. Uh so probably don't make it the number two flower. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's the number ten flower? Yeah. Okay, let's go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So the number ten best-selling flower, which was the Dahlia, sold ten point three million dollars. Okay. That's higher than okay. what I was gonna guess for. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad we did that because at least now we have a frame of reference. I <laughs> I'm still looking out for you, Lindy, even if I'm not on your team. Thanks, Melissa. Okay. I'm sorry, you're just gonna have to cut this silence. I need to <laughs> I can't talk out loud. I was like, I don't know if it's better to talk and fill the silence or not talk so that it can be easily cut. <laughs> Who knows? I have to edit this podcast sometime before Thursday, so yeah, good luck with that. Thank you. I'm glad I made that as easy for you as possible and didn't have to leave to get groceries halfway through. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, we're good. 
for anyone listening to this podcast, my groceries got delivered to the wrong apartment building four blocks away from my house, and I had to go over and get them. See, now I can't cut this, so we have to. That's staying in now. All right. Okay. Well, uh, I sent my gifts to Todd. I have Lindy's gifts. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so tulips are tulips are cheap. Like the reason why I would like buy them for myself when I'm like going grocery shopping is because when I was like a very poor grad student who could afford very few luxuries in my life, mm-hmm. I could afford like two to three dollar bouquet of tulip flowers, and that's Canadian. So whatever information you want to extrapolate from that go nuts i don't know <laughs> uh okay that is useful tulips are cheap but they are also probably frequently i was gonna say because they're cheap, they're cheap then they yeah. can be more widely purchased yeah like it's probably why they're number one that in the combo of like tulip fields in amsterdam and you know all sorts of people like tulips mm-hmm. they come in lots of different colors they're pretty I can't okay. I don't know what a tulip looks like. I mean, if you showed me a picture of a tulip, I would probably like recognize it as a flower. But like, if you told me to draw, <laughs> would you would know it was a flower. A flower. Oh, I, to... I, it wasn't even that. Yeah, I would recognize it. It's that I would recognize, like, yep, that's a flower. Yeah. <laughs> You're not saying you've ever seen one before, just that you could like see something that's got petals and a stem and be like, probably a flower. That's probably a flower. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um. Gosh. Okay. I want to go like one of two ways here, I think, with this guess. So if number 10 was like, I think you said 10 million, Todd, or something like that? Uh, 10 point something, yeah. 10 point something million. I think there's a world where it's like actually not that much more than 10. But I also think there's a world where it's like 300. So, yeah, my, the number I sort of had in my head was like 40. <laughs> okay which so is between 10 and it is between <laughs> 10 and 300 i don't know if you want to go that i think like, if i want to go the low end i want i think lower than 40 mm-hmm. but or the high end this would be very helpful if we knew what lindy guessed it would be but that would be cheating That's that would be cheating yeah it would be cheating you can't know and i'm not telling you so there you go yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean i assumed i assumed um <laughs> Lindy, would you tell me if I promised to sabotage Adam? <laughs> well, that's an interesting proposition. I, I, I will. Uh, Lindy, wait. don't fall for rapid fire. Don't fall for rapid fire, Lindy. I kind of <laughs> want to see it because I don't know how she would sabotage me with the information once she has it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. She would tell you what to do and you would do the opposite or something. No, I would double fake, but then Adam would know that I would double it's, fake. It would be a whole thing. Then I would try to this You know, it's also, all even if, risky. Even I'm if you know what she guessed, it doesn't, I don't know if this is going to be like an easy guess. Uh, okay. Um, I'll go close to Melissa's 40. I'll, I'll, let's 30. Is that crazy? Yes. As in, like, it should be more? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, 30 million dollars and one penny. All right. So we have our answers locked. Adam and Alyssa say 30 million dollars. Lindy says... Penny. A, a, and a, one a, penny. And Just one in case. Penny. Lindy says uh, 72 million dollars. No pennies. <laughs> and 
for the second time this season, Lindy wins the game because hey. it was sixty-five point three. Oh wow, close! Woo! Yeah, Lindy was like uh, just a little under seven off from it. Amazing! So. Congratulations, yeah, Lindy! I was well on your team the whole time, secretly sabotaging Adam. Definitely not <laughs> trying to win myself. Mm-hmm. I was I... like. As- <laughs> As soon as I saw, like, I saw Lindy was really close. I was trying to keep, like, a, a blank face. And then as Adam gave his two options, I'm really, really trying hard to keep a blank face, not to give away, like, okay, if he goes with either one of those, Lindy wins. I cannot give anything away. <laughs> uh, Lindy, well done. Yay. Oh, my gosh. I have to say, I feel amazing. I was starting to think I'd never win again. And here we are. Yeah. So before Todd and you gave us. you did it all by yourself. Yeah. You I did it all by myself. That's yeah. true. It feels um, good to win on on your own. Sure, it sure does. Um, yeah, my initial guess for the tulips before Todd gave us a frame of reference, I was gonna say 132 million, and I was like, "Is that way over or way under? Like, it could be mm-hmm. 900 million." I had no idea. <laughs> so I was glad when he said 10 million. I was like, "Okay, I shouldn't be that far off." Um, and I just went with my gut of 72. There you go. Woo! There you go. Yeah, He's- no more so of this your gut's always wrong nonsense because you were you were like spot on there you were within uh whatever math is there uh <laughs> you were pretty close feeling good i know what tulips look like this was a win look up tulips here <laughs> oh my gosh tulips. They're all different. oh yeah those are pretty yeah. the yeah. series is now four to two so four go. to two that's all right i did part of choosing Adam was also that I did very much feel like it was a win-win for me. Like either I won or Adam lost. And like, either way, that seems like a good outcome. (laughs) (laughs) You could have had both on my team, but I know I'm sorry. This is my mistake, (laughs) but. (laughs) Okay. Um, So how's that, how's that feeling? Admittedly, yeah, honestly, admittedly, (laughs) regardless of the, of the, you know, hypothetical sabotage that did happen, uh, Lindy can attest to this feeling. It feels very good to have someone come on and pick your team. There is a very nice, heartwarming feeling there uh, that I do really like and appreciate. So thank you, Melissa, for coming on and picking Team Adam. It was a pleasure to have you on the team. Was it? <laughs> uh, yeah, because I feel like regardless of the score of the game or the series, you would have uh, this this dynamic would have happened regardless. Uh, very classic Adam slash Melissa mixing it up there. So. Um, we still have a couple things to do here. Good God, this podcast is ages long. Um, okay. We have some pretzels to give out to the two songs of the episode, as well as a truly happy point. The first song of the episode, Diagnosis. This to me is such an easy five. Full five pretzels are coming, uh, from me into this bowl, which I hope to be filled. Lindy. It's beautiful. Full five pretzels. Full five. Todd. Full five. Full five and Melissa. Three. That's tough. No, I'm just Wait, kidding. Really? It's a five. It's a five. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, this is like one of my favorite songs of the whole show. It's a five. Uh, full five are a full bowl of pretzels there. We've had quite a few full bowls here in uh, season three. Love to see this song filling out those ranks. The second song in the episode, This Is My Movement. Melissa, how many pretzels here? Oh, you're going to make me go first. Uh, like two just because it sung well i guess yeah and it gave me something to rant about which is always fun as well uh okay 
uh, two pretzels uh, from Melissa. Todd, what about you? Oh, man. I just There's so much with the song that I don't like, but I agree that it's like a pretty song and sung well, but I just hate like the... Like, like Adam said, we've had one-note joke song before, but I just hate the, the joke so much that it being like the one-note joke song of a joke that I hate so much just really drags it down. Uh, 1.9, that's where we're going to land with it. Can't give it a full two, but it's like uh, not bad enough to give a little bit. So 1.9 is where I'm landing with it. Okay, 1.9 from Todd. Lindy, what about you? Yeah, this is getting points because it's a song and you know the singing's good it's just getting a 1.5 a 1.5 from lindy wow these are incredibly low scores and they're only going to get lower i would have hypothetically had this at a 1.4 except (laughs) fake instruments being played minus a point equaling 0.4 total uh for this song uh, is where I'm ending up here. That is an incredibly empty bowl of pretzels there for this is my movement. The fact that I'm like the second highest on the song is <laughs> mind-boggling. <laughs> yeah. um, and now we will each say who made us truly happy this episode. Melissa, you told us earlier, who made you truly happy this episode? Hector. I, you know, we should all have a Hector in our moments of need. Someone who will bring snacks and tell people when they're being selfish and you know i just i thought he did so great and in an episode where i wanted to give it to heather but i believe i've given it to heather twice already uh and so i was like you know heather made me laugh and and called out valencia when she needed to but she also had some own her own issues so give it to hector this time first point hector's gotten the three seasons so. not even remotely surprising that we have not had a hectic point <laughs> up until this point um lindy who made you truly happy this episode well there were a few candidates um but i landed on one who i think made me the the happiest in their own way and this is someone who i have not yet given a truly happy point to that is none other than Nathaniel J. Plimpton III, Esquire. I loved his support of Rebecca, you know, being gentle, trying to be there for her, giving her space, and also in the process confronting this really difficult situation with his family, their family dynamic, you know, trying to get answers for this horrible thing that happened when he was a child. And I really just commend him for actually having the courage to face that. And also his story with Rebecca. I just, I loved Nathaniel in this episode. Yeah. Co-sign all of that. If I could give a second one, I would give it to Nathaniel. This is notably the first point that Nathaniel has gotten not from someone named Tom Palmer (laughs) but it is Nathaniel's third point um okay uh we love to see it it was certainly a a good Nathaniel episode especially compared to what we have seen earlier in the season Todd who made you truly happy this episode um I have a few people let me say there are a few people that I've I've been going back and forth between uh Heather made me laugh a lot but there are a couple things like yeah yeah I, I kind of want to get to Dr. Shang's this introduction episode and the I don't fall for rapid fire like always makes me laugh. But I think in the end, I think I think Lindy swayed me there. I think I'm going to go with my other thing. Just talking it through like the emotions of all the Nathaniel scenes like really got to me. So I'm going to give my point to Nathaniel as well. 
Woo! We love wow. that. Wow. Incredible. Um, I, I really was not considering Nathaniel a ton. I was considering Hector a little bit. I think he had, he had some great moments this scene. I was also considering Heather. But the person who made me truly happy this episode was Rebecca. I think that her ending here of her self-acceptance, learning to uh, live with the diagnosis that she was given and then a healthy resolution for how to go forward, we are finally seeing Rebecca on a path that will lead her to success in some way and not just continue to spiral downward as we have seen for two and a half seasons. And I love that. We have long since said on this podcast that we are hardcore rooting for Rebecca and, and bad things happening to her and bad decisions that she's making is tough to watch. That's not what we saw in this episode. We, we ended in such a good place with Rebecca and I'm excited to see her going forward. And she absolutely made me truly happy. I love that because you haven't given Rebecca points since season one. And like you said, we love her. We support her. So I'm glad she got a point here. Yeah. Uh, well-deserved. Certainly a tough point to get us. I think there were some good candidates this episode, but well-deserved from Rebecca. And I think that's it for season three, episode six of one indescribable podcast. Uh, this was uh, this was a ton of fun, despite all of the, the hiccups and rants about sunscreen and 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 trusting guts for games despite all of it it was a ton of fun here with all of you and and this was just amazing melissa thank you so much for being here for being on the podcast today thanks for having me it's always fun and thank you for dealing with my grocery store delivery snafu and uh putting up with my yelling at you uh even though i'm right uh, if i if i could not put up with you yelling at me then uh, you know I don't even know where to end that sentence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it's become second nature, but uh, it's been so good to have you on here. What are you uh, up to? Where can people find more things that Dr. Melissa Woodward is doing? Uh, sure. So follow me on Twitter, Melissa W28. I podcast over on Post Show Recaps. I've covered, uh, if you want to hear more like Melissa talks about science, uh, I did a whole severance podcast about that Apple TV show. It was very good uh, with Dr. Amanda and Josh Wiggler. That's all wrapped. We are currently podcasting about Shining Girls on Apple TV with, again, Amanda and Grace Leader. Um, it's not as good, but it's interesting. And, you know, we do occasionally also talk about science. So check that out. I also podcast on the patron feed. So uh, $5 a month at patreon.com slash post show recaps gets you access to special patron only podcasts. One of which is YA. It's my young adult podcast with Kevin Mahadeo, uh, which Todd and Adam have both been on. Lindy, let me know what you want to come talk about because we'll make that happen. Uh, and we are currently covering Harry Potter and we just recorded our Half-Blood Prince feedback show with someone on this very podcast just yesterday. So that'll be dropping sometime next week. And yeah, check it out. Um, I don't know what else to say. Oh, I play Dungeons & Dragons over on twitch.tv slash dmphilly. Uh, on Tuesdays, we do Dragonfly D&D in space. Uh, and that is very fun. And then occasionally, I am a cute mouse uh, with a big personality on the Humble Year show on Fridays, all of Old episodes can be found over on YouTube uh, at DM Philly. So, yeah. 
amazing. Lissa's everywhere. You should check out the stuff that she does. It's funny. I've been plugging that YA podcast for like three episodes now because of how this is going to release. But uh, <laughs> that was a, a ton of fun over there to talk Harry Potter. Uh, and again, of course, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Lindy, what are you up to? Where can people find you at? Yes. Well, first of all, Melissa, thank you so much for being here. This was lovely as always. Can't wait to have you back again. Um, and yeah, you can find me Twitter at TV Lindy and our podcast, Twitter, one CXG podcast. That's O N E C X G podcast. You can also find Lindy playing Dungeons and Dragons (laughs) over on the post show (laughs) recast discord because we've got her to do that now. I uh, was yeah. summoned by one Jess Sterling to hop on a stream yard call at one point to help Lindy make her character. And so I did because, you know, I'm a good friend and we, we made it and Lindy killed it and, you know, has played already and hopefully she'll do it again. Yeah, I played one time. Melissa was so helpful, went over some stuff with me beforehand. That was so great. Um, I was, you know, really overwhelmed. There was a lot going on, but it was fun. So I'm planning to do it again. So yeah, you can find me there, I guess. There we go. Uh, Absolutely. Todd, what are you up to? Where can people find you at? You can find me on Twitter at Librarian Todd because Todd Librarian is too many characters. You can also find me on twitch.tv slash DMPhilly one or two times a month on Sundays. We're doing a Wheel of Time-based D&D game called Threads in the Pattern. I believe by the time this drops, our our latest episode should have just happened, assuming that something hasn't happened between when we're recording this and when we're supposed to record that. Uh, but yeah, you can find those on, on Philly's uh Twitch stream VOD, if you missed it, or on his YouTube channel. Uh, you also, by this point in time, I should have just, by the time this drops, should have been like two or three days ago, I will be on community building, uh, talking about the Halloween uh, episode of season three uh, with uh, Josh Wiggler and Jess Sterling. So hopefully that's all going to go well, but uh, who knows? Uh, yeah. Of course it'll go well. It'll be awesome. Yeah, it'll be those... great. I can't wait wow. for that. That was so ominous, Todd. <laughs> it's like, hopefully it goes well. Oh, it's like, I don't know. What if I suddenly forget how to podcast three yeah. and a half minutes? <laughs> uh, I am Adam H. You can find I'm... me on Twitter, Piano Man Adam One. You can also find me uh, on a few PSR uh, uh, things, the YA podcast, as well as a future upcoming project that we'll see what happens there. I have no clue uh, what that's actually going to be like. So uh, I'm excited to see how that goes. Um, but the most important place you can find me is right back here where next week we will be back just the three of us talking season three episode seven of crazy ex-girlfriend until then bye